Welcome back to the show. We're keeping it real. Co is right. Welcome back to Real Take Sports Talk number 50. 50 episodes of Real Take Sports Talk. It only took us like a year and three months, but we're here. And man, are we ready to talk about sports? We got a lot to go over today. NBA free agency happened last week. We're going to break down and review some of the big signings from that. We're also going to be talking about NFL quarterback battles, the biggest storylines coming out of or coming into the preseason of the NFL, which, by the way, got underway after that Hall of Fame game against the Dallas Cowboys and Pittsburgh Steelers, two teams that I truly despise. Also, we're going to be talking about NHL betting scandals and much, much, much more. Also, I'm going to be revealing a brand new weekly show that is going to be running throughout the NFL season. So it's going to be a long one. It's going to be a fun one. And to joining me to do that is Andrew back from the depths of wherever he was. I was doing some soul searching. The Mets are in a downhill spiral and I had to in turn, you know, find myself as well. Yeah, I hope you found yourself. Uh, I hope you found yourself. Yeah, I'm yeah. I hope fighting, you, f- as you know, dude. I was fighting actual demons, like literally I've been fighting actual apparitions. So, if an, if anyone knows the number of a great exorcist, please DM Andrew right over here. He needs it anyway. But we're gonna be talking about a lot of that stuff, Andrew. Before we started, though, uh, you know, Johnny isn't here, unfortunately. He couldn't make it. He's law school. We appreciate you either way, but. We, we just, this is a milestone. This is a milestone in the history of the podcast. It's a milestone in the history of this channel. It's a milestone for me personally, considering, like, you know, the, the, the work that, uh, you know, I've done building this up. But man, real take number 50. Remember when we started this out? It was just for like, just for shits and giggles. And now 600 subscribers, 600 plus subscribers, 50 episodes of this show, 24 episodes or 22 episodes of real take wrestle talk. Like, like, it's crazy. We have the we have the rec- pre-recorded episodes of Guy Talk that we have yet to you know that, we, even, that will never be released. That will, that that will <laughs> never be released. That will th- th- those those are going to be like y- if you want to see those, those you got to be like a super duper patron, a thousand dollars a year, and yeah, yeah, sure, you can yeah you you can get a sneak peek at those, but no, those will likely never be released. But but yeah, no, fifty episodes. It's crazy. Like I remember the first episode, the first episode, like like I think like. Three seconds in, we did like 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 Andrew made like it, it. It took you like three seconds to 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 make like a uh like like a like a Knicks like just just throw in a Knicks thing in there for no reason. Like we were talking football, and you just threw in like the Knicks in there. It it was something I, I don't know. In it was something very, like that. Very, it was a very very. I used to call the that team in Washington that Dan Schneider owns. Uh, I used to call them by their original name a lot because I would I refuse to conform to everybody else's standards of calling them football team. I grew up with them being called that other name and it was an adjustment for me. But we have really. learned, we have learned that that name is probably not and the it best will be thing. An adjustment <clears throat> that baseball team in Cleveland. It will too be an adjustment for me to well, not call What's them. their name going to be again? What's, what, uh, uh, I, I don't even know, dude. I don't even know. I just, it, I just, it, call it them was that some... team in hold up. What's their name? Um, by the way, if you guys know their name, please put it in the chat. Uh, I love how they waited though a year to change it. Like, and they didn't be there. They weren't like, we are the Cleveland baseball team. Well, it was funny because when Washington changed the name, there were literally people that were coming to the defense of Washington changing the name as well for why Washington shouldn't. They were like, yeah, but the Cleveland baseball team, nobody has a problem with Cleveland calling the baseball team this. And then a year later, they had to change it because people got offended. 
Yeah, I mean, look, it, look, they they went through the right channels. The the community that was affected was offended by it. So, hey, they did their due diligence. It happens. You move on. You move on, and you realize it's not so much about the name. It's about the actual team and the history and, and what it's built. So as long as that's still in place, I think most people are going to be fine with it. But, you know, I, I just want to say this, man. 50 episodes in, you know, almost a year in, and I, I just wanted to thank, you know, you. for uh, Andrew, I want to thank you because you and I were in, in our many, many bored COVID FaceTime calls. Like, we just kind of threw out the idea of, like, Yo, let's just start a podcast, like, because like, we're bored, and, you know, it was a way to see, you know, you and Johnny and, and kind of, like, reconnect during a time where we weren't seeing anybody, you know, so I want to thank you guys, especially Johnny, too, who put a lot of work into it, especially early, you know, for your help and your, your morale and all that kind of stuff, Simon, too, Ben, when he was on, uh, Ethan, all the big-time Real Take contributors, Trevor, by the way, from Real Take, Russell Talk, Go check his stuff out on the channel. Trevor is amazing and is a whiz at wrestling. But, you know, we but, you know, I just want to thank all you guys for for kind of like being on this journey with me and like and like, you know, just just say helping helping out the channel doing what doing what we do. So thank you. I, I, I think the appropriate response would have been you're welcome, but. I will take the thank you as well. Um, anyway, but Andrew, let's kick it off though. Let's get to the main show and talk about one of the biggest. Um, actually, no, we're not going to talk about one of the biggest stories this week. We're first going to talk about one of the wealthiest, richest stories, if I can say, this week. The NFL's most valuable teams, Andrew. So here we go. Forbes released a list of the NFL's most valuable teams, and it is read as follows. The Cowboys, obviously, a number one worth with a worth of $6.5 billion. And then in a way second place are the New England Patriots at $5 billion, followed by the Giants, Rams, Washington, 49ers, Bears, Jets, Eagles, and Broncos rounding out the top 10. So, Andrew, we saw this list. We've seen, you know, the Cowboys have been at the forefront of this list for it almost seems like forever at this point. But what do you think about, you know, th this specific list, you know? And, and honestly, my bigger question is, how do the Cowboys, for how inept they are, for how terribly they're run, for how they never win playoff games, how are they always amongst the most valuable teams in the NFL? Because Jerry is a great businessman. Can't run a football team for jack shit, dude. That man is a great businessman. Yeah, That's I mean, how. yeah, I mean, look, I'm not saying he's not, he's a great marketer. Like the fact that the Cowboys are always relevant, the fact that the Cowboys are always the most valuable team, the fact that the Cowboys somehow managed to be on every single station, uh, even on ESPN, on First Take, on Undisputed, on 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 CBS Sportsnet with nobody watches. It, the fact that they're on every single station, it pisses me off because what has this team done to deserve to be up on this list? Because well, let's pull the list up again. Like I understand the Patriots, right? Won six Super Bowls in the past 20 years. The Giants understand that one too. Won two Super Bowls in the past 20 years. Been to three. Uh, the Rams, they've they they won and been to a couple of Super Bowls. Washington haven't really done jack shit. But the 49ers, they've had some success. Bears have been to a Super Bowl. You know, like like there's a. It just seems like there's a there's a very much. Like there's a there's a level of talent or a level of success that some of these teams have that are in this top ten, 
But then above all of them, like the Cowboys managed to bypass this, and and like it's the reason why every Cowboys fan we know is 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 as entitled and as as like you know uh, I guess you know obnoxious as they are because they're always somehow the at the forefront of conversation in the NFL, even though they're not a good team. They get they get <laughs> they get more prime time games <laughs> than I think any team in the entire. I think they get more prime time. Get my team. I don't think has well, my team might have won more playoff games than them in the last decade, and they have more prime time games than us this season. Just, just put it at that. Ryan Tannehill, as a member of your team, has more playoff wins than Dak Prescott. My team, I think, has no joke won more playoff games than them in the past decade. And mind you, mind you, I had to sit through a lot of three and thirteen and two and fourteen seasons, and they have more. They somehow have more primetime games than us so jerry is a great marketer um that star you know that 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 dallas star i think it's like it's like the knicks like players love to go into jerry world and just go off it's like it's like the garden of football dude i remember a couple years ago kevin byard he got an interception he ran to the middle of that dallas star he paid homage to to he danced on the star you know, my team loves dancing on logos, but it was extra special when they did it on the Dallas Star because that star, that star represents a lot more to football than people realize. I mean, what does it represent, though? It represents a team that can't get their act together to win like eight games, more, more than eight games a year. It represents a football team that no matter how much talent they have, they have Ezekiel Elliott, they have Dak Prescott, they have the, they've had the best offensive line in football for like the past decade. And how and what did they have to show for it? I'm not even saying a Super Bowl, right? I'm not even saying a Super Bowl. I'm saying what did they li- really have to show for it? They don't have. They have one playoff win, one. And I don't think was it was one under Dak Prescott, one under Tony Romo. Like Jason Garrett didn't do anything for them. Wade Phillips, Wade Phillips was their most successful head coach over the past 20 years. Ever since the Jimmy Johnson dynasty of the Cowboys of the 90s died, ever since that dynasty left and Jerry Jones, I cleaned house and 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 we and we're going to win my way. They didn't win your way, Jerry. Well, you're winning he's winning the pocketbook game. I can't lie on that. Like Jerry Jones, he is he is he's swindling the NFL out of all of his money somehow because he's just a great marketer. Like great businessman, terrible football operator. Like those two things can exist at the same time. But what always makes me mad about not only these lists or or, or the conversation of the Dallas Cowboys, what makes me mad especially is the way that we overrate the Cowboys based off of just strictly marketing it's never it's never about who's head coach it's never about uh, uh who's playing quarterback or 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 the the levels of, of of the of the defense or whatever it's always about oh man look at dallas see they have to win this year like you see this thing they are like they're like uh the odds on favorite i think it's like 40 to 1 odds or whatever that they're gonna win the nfc east and i'm like dude like like uh, realistically, a team that loses ten games this year, a seven and ten team could make the could host a playoff game in, from the NFCs. It's wide open. No, my favorite too was um, if you go back and you find the clip, dude. There was a clip last year where Pat McAfee was literally going over. <laughs> they were breaking down the NFL power rankings, right? And they had like you know 
the Ravens at like four. They had Kansas City at one. They had all those teams. And they just go, but they're going from 32 all the way up. So they were like, you know, Jets, Giants, Bears, all, all those teams, you know, um, Jacksonville, like all like, you know, those really bad teams. And then they get to 12. <laughs> and they were like, <laughs> the Cowboys at 12. And he was just like, honestly, I look at the Cowboys at 12 and I look at teams numbers 13 through 32 and other than the Jets, I don't think there was a team they were better than. And that was last year. Yeah. I mean, like, like dude, it, it's bad up there. It's bad or down there. I, I don't even know. Like it, it look, look, <laughs> Dallas has had problems for a while. It's just like up to like Dallas fans to admit that those problems exist. And it's up to the Cowboys organization to actually fix them. Like, I just don't get how they can make this much money. Like, and is it all just Jerry Jones' ego? Is that it? It's gotta be, dude. It's gotta be, dude. I've never seen a team, dude. I've never seen a team lose as many games as they do, and yet somehow they're the favorite to win the division every year. And they're, 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 like we've said on the show, dude, the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys are the dark horse team to win the Super Bowl, even after they've already been eliminated. That's how much. That's how much, but for some reason, that's how much the media believes in these Dallas Cowboys every single year. It doesn't the make team, any sense. The team could start one and five, and then like they win one game, they're two and five. Oh yeah, we're going to the Super Bowl, baby! It's happening. The Dallas fans on Twitter go berserk. The Dallas fans on on the, the pundits go berserk. Skip Bayless starts talking about how okay, this is the year. Look, they found look themselves every they'll, week, they'll, one and five, and then they'll win that second game like week seven, and then uh, coming off of a bye, and then they'll say, "Oh, Dallas has found themselves," just to lose the next three, and then. And hey, you know what the messed up part is though? Because they they're in the NFC East, you can't discount that either. You can't just be like, oh nah, like they're they're out of the divisional division hunt. Not like like that it's division not is not until decided until the last week of the season. Last year, dude, we were we were literally a Nate Sudfeld away, a Nate Sudfeld away from a six and ten team hosting and, a playoff game. And we called it, and we called it, we called it on the either the first or second episode of this show. We said because we were making our predictions, we got to find that soundbite. We even said that the NFC East is the one division you cannot predict who's coming out of that division because yeah. there's. Every team in that division, for some reason, that beat up on each other, they can all split with each other. And then at that point, it's literally going to come down to week 17. Every, that, that's just how the NFC East is. It's, 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 it's so predictable. It's, it's so unpredictably predictable. You know what I mean? That, that, that's like the perfect like nickname for this division. Unpredictably predictable. Like It, it is a wild, wild division. And look, every, anyone, you know all the shit people out. You just know week 17 is when it's decided. That's all the so- shit people want to say about yeah. the Eagles, all the shit people want to say about, about you know, oh, the, they're rebuilding. They might be the worst team in this division. Watch the Eagles go out there and win the division. Just watch them. Washington em. wasn't supposed to what? last year. Dude, dude, dude. Even I'm even saying this. Jalen Hurts could get injured. Joe Flacco could be out there starting games. That team could still win, like, you know, a solid six games under Flacco. And that might be enough. That might be enough. That might all. That might be all he needs. Johnny's not gonna like this. I don't believe in Danny Dimes, but you know. Oh, this is look. He's not here to defend it. Johnny's not here to defend it. But I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna say it right now, live here, so everyone can hear. Daniel Jones in 2022 will not be the starting quarterback of the New York Football Giants. That is true. That is gospel. Take it to the bank. 
I'll eat my hat if I'm wrong, but I'm very much sure that I'm right. Daniel Jones will not last uh, through this season as the starting quarterback. I, I I second that. Yeah, only real takes on 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 this fiftieth episode spectacular of Real Take Sports Talk. If you haven't already, remember to like this video, subscribe, hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Also, Real Take Sports Talk is coming. Real Take Sports Talk is coming back to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to your podcasts today. Hopefully by the end of this week, I'll have that figured out, working out some stuff with Anchor and, and all that kind of stuff, setting that up. But that will be set up. Again, John Davis in the chats at, or says, they need to have a better mentality and fix the front office because they definitely don't lack in talent. I agree with that. Biggest waste of talent in the about, league. He's yeah, he's, the, oh, he's, he's talking about the Cowboys. The Cowboys. 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 Oh, we, we've known this. Dude, the, the, the talent is never a problem with the Cowboys. It's 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 who's calling the damn plays, and it's first off, it's who we're told is calling the plays, and then who we know is actually making all the decisions. So we're told that it's McCarthy. We're told that it was Jason Garrett, but in reality, we know that Jerry's really calling all the shots. We we know this. Well, yeah, it's been Jerry for a very long time. It, it's like he he's the guy. He is the guy. Like that's just plain and simple, like that. Anyway, let's move on, Andrew, and talk about something we re- rarely get a chance to talk about here. That's the NHL, national, the National Hockey League, as it's known. Uh, once my Canucks, once my Canucks were uh, eliminated officially, I checked out completely. I didn't even watch the Stanley Cup playoffs. Did you now? Did you I, know? I, I only watch the Canucks, dude. I won't even okay. watch the Devils. I only watch the Canucks. Oh, well, don't watch the Devils. They're just sure to disappoint you. They're just like the devils are just not, they can't disappoint me. It's not my team. The only things the only teams that could disappoint me are my teams, and they're very good at that. At, they're very good at that. Oh yeah, like you have a you you have an amazing like like you have like a you pick the most snapeic franchises in, in sports. You got the Mets, the Knicks, the the uh, the, the Titans. Like like Canucks. that's the Canucks. Uh, oof oof oof. Anyway, a team that might be snake bit after this news landed are the San Jose Sharks because the NHL announced Saturday that it would be investigating the San Jose Sharks forward Evander Kane uh, after it was alleged that he bet on games and intentionally might have lost some games for profit. His wife, his wife Anna, alleged this on social media in a series of scathing Instagram stories. Anna Kane detailed her husband's NHL betting habits and lavish vacationing parties and much more. Uh, the quote was from the Instagram story, can someone ask the commissioner, Gary Bettman, how they let a player gamble on his own games, bet and win with bookies on his own games? So that's those are serious allegations. And again, right now they're only allegations, but they were enough. And I think... Kane's history is enough for the NFL or the NHL rather to look into this, which they have. They've launched a full investigation into these allegations, adding that the integrity of our game is paramount and the league takes these allegations very seriously. What's also kind of uh, uh, made this a bigger story is that Kane, who again plays for the San Jose Sharks, has had financial problems in the past. You know, he's 29 years old. He chapter he. Filed for Chapter nine, uh, 7 bankruptcy earlier this year. He made $3 million, but owes about, but he owes uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars in gambling debts that have occurred throughout the past few years. So 
he so there's a bit of a shoddy history with him. And again, these are at this point still allegations, but very serious and could very seriously hurt not, not only the Sharks, not only Kane himself, but the NHL also. So, Andrew, talk to me about this. We've seen the similar scandals, uh, you know, involving, you know, not not players, but in the NBA, we had the referee. But this is a much more serious because this is like this is like point shaving levels of bad. This is you are trying to throw games. How bad is this? Oh, this is dude. This is. See, hockey hockey is a weird sport, too, to throw games because, honestly, like, as much as people want to sit there and they'll argue, like, oh, you know, you can't really – they'll say, like, in certain sports you can't throw games. As long as you're on the ice or on the field or – you know what I'm saying? As long as you're, like, on whatever you're playing on, you, you can throw the game. Um, I think he's a left winger. So, cause people have asked like, how could he possibly throw the game? Well, for starters, you know, whatever side he's on, um, you know, he could really, uh, not defend, not hustle for a couple like loose pucks or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, there's, I mean, there's that aspect of it personally, uh, the NHL, I don't know how they let this happen. Like they must've been getting loose with their rules was he giving the money to somebody else to place these bets was he like you they got to find all this stuff out because they can't be letting this stuff happen at least you know someone like me who's big into sports betting you know i'm not saying i condone this but you know he could have at least let me know he was going to do it i can't hear you i think you're muted yeah i mean look he probably could have let all of us know that he was doing this although if he had done that he that probably wouldn't have been uh, this big a problem. He would have been out of the league. Um, but no, th- this to me, like, again, these are allegations. Evander Kane has not been, you know, convicted of anything. He's not been, you know, tr- you know, the NHL has not come out and said that he is guilty of whatever he's doing. So let's take oh, like this with a grain of salt. But if we're asking how serious can these allegations be, I think they can be very detrimental, not only for Kane, who I think at this point, if, if these things are true he has all this gambling debt and and he has been gambling on games and i hope first i hope he gets help because again man like the, 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 like if you if you're making these decisions that shows you have an impulse problem and you probably need some sort of help like whether it be like mental health guidance or whatever but it, but if they are true then you know you can be rest assured he's going to be banned from the game that's the first thing that's going to happen he's going to be banned from hockey forever he's never going to be able to attend another hockey game all that kind of stuff he's going to be full banned from the nhl he's probably going to be banned from multiple other leagues as well up in canada russia wherever uh but he might have to go some i don't even know if he'll ever even play again at that point but the other thing that's going to happen is the people here's the thing the nhl is a sport that people pay it's very similar to the mlb Unless you're a huge fan of hockey, you only pay attention two times when the champ when the championship tournament or the playoffs are going on, or when a scandal like this happens. That those are the only two times people pay attention to sports like baseball and hockey. If you're not already uh, a, a fan of one of those sports, and we saw it with the MLB, Andrew, we saw it with the MLB when the Astros scandal happened. What happened? You had ESPN. Fox Sports, everyone who who, ne- who barely talked about baseball, barely mentioned it before, everyone jumped on it because it was a scandal, it was a juicy story, 
and you can expect the same thing to happen here. You know, you're gonna Stephen A. Smith is gonna become uh, an expert on on hockey overnight. Somehow. So is Max Kellerman. So is Molly Quorum. So is so is everyone. They're just gonna become an expert at ESPN on hockey, and then you're gonna see all everyone come out and condemn hockey as as a sport where they allowed this to happen. And look, if the NHL allowed this to happen, that's on them. They, that's oh, that's on them. Like it's on Evander Kane for doing it, but it's also on the NHL for for finding out this way through his his wife claiming it in an Instagram post. That that like that's just that that shows you how how weird and and corrupt the system is. So for the NHL, this could be a very big story, and unless they come down against it hard, it, like don't do what the MLB did with the Astro scandal, where you where you didn't do anything to the players who were involved and and punish other people. The NHL, if this is true, needs to come down hard and make sure players know you will lose your lifeline. You will lose the ability to make money playing this sport for our league if you do this. And if they don't, it's going to send the message that this type of behavior is not only tolerable, but but you can't. But it, it has virtually no consequences for you. I mean, yeah, I I agree. It's they got to do something. I gotta do something, and ultimately, I think what is gonna end up happening is this guy's probably gonna get kicked out of the league. They're gonna Pete Rose his ass, and I don't necessarily blame them. I mean, it's a big deal. Yeah, Evander Kane, Charlie Hustle, baby. Um, yeah, uh, hopefully it doesn't come to that. Hopefully it leads to nothing. Hopefully she was lying. Hopefully she was lying. Um, but we he was won't his know. Muse. I mean, that's the thing is like she she was his muse. I don't know why she would sell him out like that. That's you know that puzzles me. I mean, maybe uh, again, it could go back to the problems he's had with gambling in the past. But we won't know until we know. Hopefully, there's nothing to it. That's all you can hope for, guys. If you haven't already, hit that like button, hit that notification bell, so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Hit up the chat, put up some questions in there. Let's get it going. Andrew, let's talk about someone who we have not talked about for a very, very long time and whose name has been brought up time and time again uh, for every, seemingly every, uh, or not coaching, quarterback vacancy in the NFL this offseason. It's a man named Gardner Flint Minshew II. Let's talk about him. The Indianapolis Colts could be in the market for a new quarterback after it was announced that the foot injury to Carson Wentz would require surgery. He's had surgery, and now the there is no real timetable for his return, but the injury could keep him out for as long as 6 to 12 weeks, which would probably mean as early as the first few weeks of the season into to possibly into October, and he might return in November. So with that being the case, one quarterback, one quarterback who is still out there, I is someone who I think they should consider trading for as a as a way to steady the ship at least until Wentz returns or maybe this guy might become a cheaper option than Carson Wentz. And again, his name is Gardner Flint Minshew the second. I have the stats here as I always do. Minshew Mania, 37 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 7 and 13 as a starter. However, he was on that terrible Jaguars team. Over 5,000 yards passing in 20 games. And of course, the swagger over 9,000. Andrew, should the Colts take a shot at Minshew during this time where they don't know? They traded for Carson Wentz. Again, he's injured. He's had a bit of an injury concern, injury history, but Minshew might be a guy who can come in there. He doesn't turn the ball over. He might come in there and win some games. 
Absolutely. He is familiar with a lot of these teams that he's playing against in the AFC South too. So he has played against them. He kind of knows what kind of defensive schemes they run. He would just have more talent around him than he had in Jacksonville. So if I was them, I would do it. Um, it's not like it's anything new. Yeah. You might have to learn Frank Reich's playbook or anything, but you know, he's going to hand the, he's going to be handing the ball off to Jonathan Taylor. He does have some studs out there um, on the outside of receiver and he's going to have a hell of a lot better defense in um, with Darius Leonard, just inking that fucking massive deal. He's going to have a hell of a lot better defense in uh, Indy than he had in Jacksonville. So I think they should, I think they should take a chance on it too. Plus when Wentz comes back from the foot surgery, like you don't know what Wentz you're getting. Like, they don't know what kind of Carson Wentz they're going to get, dude. I, I I, don't think Carson Wentz will ever return to form. Like, when Indy traded for him, they thought they were getting that MVP, like, player. I, I don't think he'll ever be that player again, dude. Just too many injuries. The injuries are racking up, too. It's it's one thing after another with him. So, and if they don't go for Minshew, dude, you know, there's always long pole foals. He did step in for – uh, he did step in for – um for uh, Wentz a few years ago, and it did work out pretty well for Philly. So there always is long pole foals. So the the reason I just want to be very quick here. The reason I'll say like they shouldn't go after Nick Foles is because they like teams have tried that over the past few years. What's happened? Like other when he got traded to Jacksonville or when he signed with Jacksonville, injured, injured, replaced by Minshew, and then traded off to the Bears. He gets to the, the Bears. He gets to Chicago. He starts a few games. Does well in the first one. Goes on a losing streak, gets injured, gets a serious back injury. Now he's back. He's the third-string quarterback for the Chicago Bears, but he, he's someone they're looking to move on from because he's just not the most talented guy on the roster. And look, I understand the Frank Reich, like you know, coaching tree. I understand the Frank Reich, you know, like 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 it worked with it. It worked with Nick Foles back in Philly. But if you want, but here's the thing: you also have to factor in Nick Foles is getting paid a lot of money next year, and he's getting paid a lot of money. Wouldn't it be better to trade maybe a fourth-round pick even, a fourth-round pick for a quarterback who has shown that he has probably just as good an upside as Nick Foles in that offense? It might There might be a learning curve, but just as good an upside as far as a player and much, much cheaper. You can activate that fifth-year option, have him hang out for another year. If he, in just in case, Carson Wentz might not be the guy. Like, and again, I can't, you can't, you want to talk about like, you know, quarterbacks who've been there, done that. The production here in two seasons, I just, it will always baffle me how this guy, 37 touchdowns, 11 interceptions on one of the worst teams in the NFL over the past two years. He managed to do all of this. He managed to pass for over 5,000 yards and didn't turn the ball over, had great rapport with his receivers, had had, had great timing, had great uh, uh, leadership qualities that his teammates liked and that made him trusted the swagger about him, the, the ability to so much, it's all there with Minshew. It's all there. He's cheap. He's affordable. He's on the market. And and he could come in there and win some games because you talked about the, the defense. You talked about the receivers. One thing we didn't talk about, the offensive line. The offensive line in, in Indy is significantly better than the one in Jacksonville. Like, like, like night and day better. They would protect him. They would give him more options. And a Minshew that has time to throw, I think, and it will develop faster and have and, and honestly reach what I think is good his potential could be, which is that of a player who is a star in this league. I genuinely believe that. I think he's a star who hasn't had the chance to really shine on, on, on these stages. And once he gets that opportunity, I think it could be could be a big thing. Could be a big thing. And 
Indianapolis might be the team to benefit from it. You know? I agree. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, what's the worst that could happen? If they go get what, him, it doesn't work. I mean, oh, they, they could march Jacoby Brissett out there. Oh, no, no. Well, the other the backup plan is, like, what, Phillip Rivers? Like, like Phillip Rivers said well, that he might want to come out. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, he, heard, he might come I've, out. He I've heard there out. are people – there's speculation. Um, I don't know how true it is. I've heard some people there trying to talk Andrew Luck into coming back, so – or they're always trying to talk Andrew Luck. He's not. They've been back. trying to talk him into coming back for years. If Andrew Luck was going to come back, he would have came back. He would have came back by not, now. Andrew Luck is not coming through those doors anytime soon. For any of y'all that are fans of Indy, I'm just letting you know right now, Andrew Luck is not walking through those doors anytime soon. No, like the, he's been through too much. That that man's like traumatized for life. He's he's gonna have like debilitating injuries for the rest of his life because of that team. He they don't deserve him. They they don't deserve Andrew Luck. Honestly, no, they don't. You know what you guys deserve? Quality content. And I'm here to deliver it to you every single day. So hit that notification bell. Hit that subscribe button. Keep the conversation going in the chat. Let's keep it going. And Andrew, let's talk about NBA free agency. NBA free agency kicked off. We saw a lot of big moves last week. We saw a lot of players move uh, to different teams. We saw a lot of teams make some big moves, take a, use up a lot of cap money, and... You know, it, it was wild. Like the sh the landscape of the NBA, I think, did change drastically. But what do you think? We're gonna get into specific teams in a minute. But what do you think about NBA free agency overall? What were some of the biggest moves? What did you thought was the best move? So um, there were a few really good moves that I saw. Um, first of all, Chicago. Chicago. I like really like the direction that Chicago went in. With they already had Zach Levine, they knew what they had. They made sure that at last year at the deadline they bought in Vucevic, which that gives them a big who could step out. That, that Vucevic can give you twenty and ten every game. You know what you're getting from that. He could step out when you need him to. Other than that, you know he's a low post player. He could bang down low. Great fit. And then they bring in a guy like Lonzo to you know be the point guard who very good two way player. Stepped up his three point shooting and what I liked was they bought in Demar Derozan to give them kind of like a big three over there in Chicago. And I like the DeRozan signing just because that gives them, he's a closer, even though he's not a shooter. Like he's not, he's not necessarily like a three point shooter. He's not going to wow you with stuff like that. DeRozan, as you saw all those years in Toronto, he's a closer. He's the guy you could give the ball to under two minutes and say, go get me a bucket, whether it's in the mid range, taking it to the cup, uh, dunking on somebody. So Chicago got a lot better. Chicago definitely got a lot better. Um, I, I, I don't want to overhype the Knicks. I do think that because a lot of people have been talking about the Knicks, about how like, oh, you know, like you really didn't do that much and everything, which trust me when I say this, okay? The injury concerns are definitely a concern with Kemba Walker, but this was a team that won 41 games and we marched out Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock and we replaced the scoring of Reggie Bullock with a bona fide bucket getter in Evan Fournier, who's one of the most underrated two, two guards, three guards in the league. And Kemba Walker, who is a proven scorer, who is a leader, where, you know, 
he's going to, if he's not on the court, because remember, we did bring back Derrick Rose, who was our best player in the playoffs. So if there is the injury concerns of Walker, plus Emmanuel quickly, we're expecting him to take the jump. So I really like the moves that the Knicks made as well. Overall, if you look at a lot of the moves that were made in the Eastern Conference with, you know, the trade that was made for Kyle Lowry sending him down to Miami and then Victor Oladipo resigning there, the Eastern Conference as a whole got a hell of a lot stronger. Because obviously, you know, you're expecting Brooklyn with KD, the extension and everything. You're expecting Brooklyn's going to come back. They're going to have KD, Kyrie, Harden, barring injury. We know what that team is expected to do. Uh, Milwaukee is the defending champs. They obviously got a lot better. They brought back a lot of their guys. And I forgot who they went and got. They went and got a name. I forgot who it was. But Milwaukee went and got a name. And um, just overall, dude, the Eastern Conference definitely got a hell of a lot better. Plus with these draft picks that a lot of these teams, you know, a lot of these teams went out and drafted guys. So, uh, free agency, all in all, I think was good. To be honest with you, I think the Lakers were a little overhyped with theirs, but we're going to get into that when we talk about the individual teams. But all in all, dude, I think uh, I liked a lot of the signings that went on the Eastern Conference, at least. Yeah, the like the biggest takeaway from NBA free agency was the Met, the Nets are they might not have they might not be the only team that's chasing this title next year. Like, look, there's still the odds on favorite. I think that out of the East, there's still the odds on favorite to represent the East in the uh, in the NBA Finals, but. The Nets are. It's going to be a lot harder for them to do that because the Heat got better, the Bulls got better, and you know the Bucks. Even though even though they 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 might have lost the player, they're still there. They're still a problem. Giannis is not going anywhere. He showed last year that he could defend KD when it came down to it. That he could defend some of these boys up in uh, up in New York. So that's also the case. New York Knicks. As much as I've 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 shat on them, they got better. So. That's what that that's what we saw. The, the talent in the East got divided up a lot better. And I I mean, if you're talking about the story from the Western Conference, it has to be the Lakers, regardless. It has to be the Lakers because we learned that you know not only did they have Russell Westbrook sign or, or come over in a trade, right. they also signed Melo, you know, who can provide some scoring off the bench still. You know, and, and we'll get into those specifically, but you know they, they were the main story. The only other story you can think of from the West is the Kawhi Leonard scenario. What might happen with that? Law likelihood he's going to resign with the Clippers, but you know he's gonna be out for most of next year he you know he's an unrestricted free agent could we see him maybe last minute go with another team that might be ready in a year to compete it's always a possibility but the chances of it happening are honestly like less than like probably would say like 10 percent. like you know there's always that possibility but it's likely not gonna happen unless something big happens because the, the the as much as we ragged on the clippers they they got close you know it was they, they got close they still underperformed they still underachieved, but they got close to representing the West in the finals until they got just beat by the Suns. So that's the thing. Um, what I will say, though, about about free agency is it, it, it's it, it is this kind of it, it's switching, I guess, from the NBA. What what has always got me is like I was looking at some of these contracts that players got in free agency in the NBA, you know, like like. And I thought about it, it's, like, it's fully guaranteed. And this is nothing against like basketball or basketball players. This is actually speaking more about football. How the hell is a sport like basketball, like how the hell are the players in that sport getting fully guaranteed hundreds of millions of dollar contract, like fully guaranteed, no like no signing bonus, none, none of that crap, just fully guaranteed money, boom, you signed it, number, you got it. 
How is that happening in a sport like basketball, but not in a sport like the NFL where you get hit, where it's proven, you got like head injuries, you got CTE, you have all these debilitating knee injuries and, and, and extremity injuries like later on in your career. Like, how does that happen? Like, is it just the way we treat like, you know, football players or have they just not gotten to that point? Is the union maybe a problem? Like, like, because that's always been weird to me. I think the um, a lot of it has to do with it gives power. The power resides with the people writing the checks and the players union. They because there's a lot of people always vying for those spots and everything. Football, you know, very rarely do guys get those like the fully guaranteed money. Um, there is guaranteed money that guys get, um, but it's to give a lot of them. You know, it's to give the team itself financial flexibility where you know you don't have teams in the NFL. Um, you know, you don't have a – the point is you don't want a Bobby Bonilla situation with a lot of these teams in the NFL no, where the Bobby risk – Bobby situation. <laughs> you don't want a Bobby Bonilla situation in the NFL with all these teams where the risk of injury is a hell of a lot higher where, you know, you pay a linebacker, you know, a hundred-something million dollars a year and then he goes and tears his ACL. He's not the same player. And now what do you do? Now you're stuck paying him for the next five years and that's a cap hit. You know, whereas you can, because that's not going to put fans in the seat. If you pay a guy a hundred million dollars and then he goes and tears his ACL or something like that, that's not a good return on investment. The NFL, because of the high risk of injury, uh, they have yet to figure out a way to kind of balance that out. So they have their own system. Basketball, basketball is a lot different. Um, and I do think the owners, they realize that because the risk of injury is a lot different, especially with the way the game is now where it's less physical and the game is less based on physicality and more based on cardio and finesse. So that's why I think you see the big difference when it comes to the type of money and the type of guaranteed money that basketball players make as opposed to football players, which you also have to think about it from this perspective too. When you look at players that have longevity, guys that take all those hits, the guys like Frank Gore, you know, quarterbacks that uh, guys like Tom Brady who continue to do it after so many years and continue to do it at such a high level, you got to look at that. You have to be like, that's crazy how guys like that could take so many body blows and just continue, you know, to get up and keep playing because you've seen guys do like, especially at those positions too, like the quarterback is a position where, you know, you don't have a good O-line. You a lot of guys could end up like Andrew Luck, like you know what I'm saying. Yeah. You don't have a good O line, and a lot of guys could end up like Andrew Luck, having to retire early just because their body can't take it anymore. And some of the guys, like you look at a guy like Frank Gore, who's just you know he just keeps going. You know, it's crazy to think how there are guys like that that can continue to take those hits and everything. And yeah, yeah, football, and then look. Football, football is a wild game. It's, it's a wild it's game. A lot different than all the other sports. I'll tell it you is. That, it is. Different. And 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 that's why I'm saying like, and it's not nothing against like. I think basketball players should have fully guaranteed contracts, too. I'm not saying that they shouldn't. I'm saying if there's anyone who should have them, it's football players. So let's, let's like, you know, whether it's the NFLPA or whoever needs to get on that, football players need to have fully guaranteed contracts. I'm talking about whether you're a veteran, whether you're an MVP, or whether you're, like, just a practice squad player. Get that money and go. Get that money, make that money, because, like, the average career is, what, three years in the NFL? Like, it's not that long. You only have a finite amount of time to make money, and while that's going on, you're getting hit in the head, you're getting hit in the arms, you're getting hit everywhere else. So, it's a contact sport, and, like, that's just part of it, but you I, you would think that, that you would think that the NFL, if they really cared about their players, they really cared about, you know, what's best for them and their health and, and, and their lives after football, make their contracts fully guaranteed. 
It's very simple. I guess, dude. I mean, it's a very slippery slope. Um, you know, but how? How is it a slippery slope? It's it, it's it's something that has to be handled between the NFLPA and the uh, the owners because um, I feel like the argument that a lot of the owners will have is you want your guaranteed money, we're just going to give you less money because of the high risk of injury. So that's why I think well, that's, the thing, that's the only trade-off I think you could see. Eh, maybe, but like, I mean, I, I like the way that the NBA does it though, where they have the pay structured for everybody else. Like, like you know, you have the, you have your maximum money you can make or whatever, and maybe like that's a trade off. But I, that's only something that would affect like you know the top echelon of players. That's only like maybe like what 10, 15 players in a league that's got like hundreds upon hundreds. So like, I mean, again, it, it, it's. I think the NFLPA, whenever the next lockout would be, which isn't I think now for like another ten years or whatever, but. That's something that should be on the table. That's something they should fight for. But it is weird, though, because you got to understand, too, football is the only sport where you never hear about this happening in other sports. You hear about guys that get designated for assignment in baseball or anything like that, and then get picked up off of waivers. But football is the only sport you hear of, of like, you know, a wide, or a slot receiver drops a pass, and then he, he gets cut the next day. A mm. kicker misses three field goals, and, you know, those could have been the last three – field goals he kicks of his career so that's also the only other sport where that's why i think you know like there's a lot of there's a lot of factors that go into the guaranteed stuff so well i mean like you you, like obviously like if a player just doesn't show up to training camp or doesn't show up to practice there's like ways to like you know take that money off obviously like that's not what i'm saying but i'm saying like just generally if you're someone who shows up to practice you know regardless of your whether you're injured or not right show up to practice you do all you do everything you should get the full amount of money And, and i i think like you know uh, that's why I don't like these arbitrary numbers the NFL just likes to put out there. Like, oh, it's a $250 million contract, but it's actually like, you know, a $60 million. Like, it, it's weird. Just, I don't know. It, I, I, just, I just think if there's any sport that should have, like, guaranteed money in it, it should be the NFL. Just considering we know how, we know, we know the health effects of playing in that league. We just know it. Um, since he edits in the chat says, didn't know it was at 7 yeah, neither did I. Um, and he also says Jerry Jones doesn't agree. Jerry Jones does not agree that NFL players should. He, if he had his way, NFL players would not be paid. If Jerry Jones had his way, they wouldn't pay anybody. He would just make all way, the money. If if there was a if there's a players association, I don't know. Is there an owners association? You know, you know who's at the head of that shit. <laughs> there you is an owners you know association. It's called shit. the it's called the NFL. That they are the owners association. Yeah, the owners association. You know who at the, you know who is at the head of that shit. Ain't it Roger Goodell? No, it's you not, know who's no. at the head of that shit. Yeah, you know who might be at the head of that shit after I watched his Hall of Fame speech? Peyton Manning. Like, give it ten years, dude. I think we are looking at the next commissioner of the NFL. Like his Hall of Fame speech was it was it was it was like so galvanizing to watch. He was talking the way he was talking about football. He was like, like 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 just the way he was like just passionately talking about the game and the and and the best way to represent the game moving forward. I was like, dude, this is a guy ten years from now we could be looking at the next commissioner of the NFL. And then Peyton Manning's gonna go from like one of the most loved players of all time to one of the most hated players of all time because he's a commissioner. Like like that's just a that that's a position. I don't care who you are, how nice you are. If you're a commissioner of any sports league, like you're you're gonna be hated. That's gonna happen unless you're Adam Silver. Unless I just you're don't Adam. know. I mean, yeah. I just don't. I just don't know how you know. I just don't know how Peyton's gonna feel. I mean, I know he's been booed, obviously, in a way places, but. Now he's going to have people that he's going to have people that, you know, were fans of his that are going to boo him if he becomes yeah. a commissioner. So that's true. That's true. That 
Yep, and all right, so up next, we're going to be talking about NFL quarterback battles. But, Andrew, before that, I have a special surprise for you and anyone who's watching right now. We got another show being added to the Real Take lineup. Yes, yes, yes. Real Take Football Talk is coming to you every Sunday during the NFL season. We got 18 weeks of football, 18 weeks of Real Take Football Talk. It's going to be live or recorded, one or the other, every single week, uh, every single Sunday. So it's going to be kind of like the preview show, the pregame show, if you will. Going to be talking about each different matchup uh, and doing predictions for each of the games that day or that week. Um, it's doesn't. It's not going to include the Thursday night game. Sorry, that's not important enough. But you know, again, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe so you can get notified of all of that kind of stuff. Real Take Football Talk coming to you Sundays during the NFL season. It's going to be a fun ride. Got a whole new look playing for that show separate from this show and yeah so it's gonna be great you're gonna be a host of host of other people joining me as well you know every week so we'll see what happens with that you know andrew might come around for a week or two you know depending on his very busy schedule uh but we'll, we'll see we'll see but real take football talk in case you guys didn't see right there boom 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 real take football talk I made that logo by myself. I'm very proud. I'm very proud. Um, but yeah, if you haven't already, though, hit that like button. Subscribe so you get notified whenever a new video is released. And be sure to check out Real Take Wrestle Talk for those of you wrestling fans out there every Tuesday. That is tomorrow night at 8 p.m. live here on the channel. Andrew, let's move on and talk about the training camp quarterback battles because that is something that we have not talked about much on this channel. We have not and we have not delved into, but there's been a lot of talk going into the training camp into uh, after draft time about the quarterback battles that might be up. We know that there are some big ones out there. The Bron for the Denver Broncos, you have the quarterback battle of Drew Locke versus Teddy Bridgewater, the Saints Taysom Hill versus Jameis Winston, and the Bears, Justin Fields versus Andy Dalton. So, Andrew, to you, what is the most interesting quarterback battle that we've seen or, or will see throughout this preseason? Um, To be completely honest with you, dude, I think it's going to be the, uh, the Jimmy G versus Trey Lance one, honestly. Interesting. I think that's going to be one to watch for just because as much as we know San Francisco, you know, they did take Trey Lance. They moved up to get him, and they, they wanted Trey Lance. They got their guy. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see whether they, you know, move on from Jimmy G given the injury and everything because he did take them to the Super Bowl a few years ago. But, you know, since then he's had trouble staying on the field. Injuries was a problem in New England. It's going to be really interesting to see which direction they choose to go in early on. Are they going to give Jimmy G, you know, the keys and they're going to slowly, you know, slowly move into Trey Lance? Are they just going to throw Trey Lance into the fire and just say, you know, this is your team? That's the one yeah. I'm interested in seeing. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing that one too. Like, like the 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 dynamic is weird because Trey Lance wasn't even a guy up until like maybe a day or two before the draft that the 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 Niners were supposed to be looking at. They were looking at potentially, you know, Mac Jones. That was always the 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 reports at least, and those reports were obviously wrong and smoke screens. But they got Trey Lance, who was a guy that both you and I said could be possibly the best quarterback out of this bunch. He's got the highest ceiling, I think, of almost any quarterback in this class, other than, in my opinion, Trevor Lawrence. But, you know, we disagree on that. Um, but, but, but you know, that's a guy who I think 
he actually could be beat out Jimmy G for the starting position because if, if we're being honest, Jimmy G is a good quarterback. Is he a franchise quarterback? I think that might have run its course. He's got an injury history. The one season that he was able to stay healthy, we saw he they he got them to the Super Bowl, but it was kind of akin to how Jared Goff got the Rams to a Super Bowl. You know, he had he played good and he played well enough, didn't make mistakes, sometimes showed up when they needed to, but other times was bailed out by his defense, bailed out by his running game, bailed out by his receivers. So there, there's there's diff, there's dynamics to it, there's levels to it. And if you're asking me if it's close between Jimmy G and Trey Lance, who should get the start and who should get the starting nod, it's obvious it's Trey Lance because that's the guy who has the most upside. That's the guy you picked fourth overall, I believe, or third overall, whatever he went. And that's the guy who is more dynamic, who's got the the, the better arm, honestly. Like, like, no offense to Jimmy G, but Trey Lance has got a cannon of an arm, and he's got the mobility. He's got the mobility, which Jimmy G just doesn't have. It's just a different type of quarterback and someone who I think in Kyle Shanahan's offense is going to run very well. I agree. That's why that's the one that I'm really looking out for. That's the one that I'm really, like, you know, most hyped to see. I mean, there are other ones that are big, too. The Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston ones, obviously, one to look out for. But we don't really, you know, we don't really. To me, that's the most interesting one because there's, (laughs) like, that's the one we don't know. We genuinely don't know who's going to end up getting that job because Hill signed that big contract. But then Jameis Winston apparently has been impressing people in camp. And we know. Like we one pick and everything. Yeah, like, but, but we haven't seen him like on this team. We've seen Taysom Hill. He won some games last year as a, as a starting quarterback, but we didn't see Winston do much. Right. You know, and obviously, so you know, the other one is um the other one is the uh the quarterback battle in Chicago, dude, between Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. That's another one because just from a lot of things that I'm hearing and a lot of like people that I'm talking to, dude, like I am hearing that Andy Dalton is like you know. People are saying Dalton's probably going to get the nod based off of like seniority in the league, but I am hearing a lot of people like they love Fields in mm. Chicago. They love Justin Fields. Yeah, and look, what's not to love? That dude, he's got great intangibles, great mobility, the ability to escape the rust, the ability to throw on the run. He's got a cannon of an arm. He's accurate. He's a leader. That, that, like, there's a reason this is a guy who was a first-round pick. There's a reason he was one of the top quarterbacks in this draft. Should have been the second-best, at least the second-best quarterback in that draft. I don't know how. I will never know how Zach Wilson went before him. That, that to me, is, is just an insult. No offense to Zach Wilson. It's just true. That's an insult to the the... The, to football, if we're being honest, because like, like, how do you, how do you not recognize the talent that that is Justin Fields? But regardless, right? Yeah. So I, I've been hearing the same thing. Like, those are reports. Andy Dalton's probably going to get the nod. Um, and and look, I think it, it's done out of a place where they don't want to rush Justin Fields into this situation. But when when you think about it logically from a football standpoint. Who gives you the if, – if, if it's close, we're going to find out in these next few preseason games, by the way. We're going to get a real hard look at the at these preseason games. But if it's close, I don't think you're going to see that seniority thing come into play, honestly. I don't think it's going to come into play because not only are you going to have pressure from the coaches themselves wanting to put uh, Justin Fields in to kind of save their job because Matt Nagy is on the hot seat. He's made the playoffs two out of the past three years, but he's still in the hot seat. The, the GM on the hot seat. You gotta make a move, and if if it's close between these two guys, you gotta you better 
latch yourself onto Justin Fields because if you're Nagy and the GM, this is the only chance you got, the only chance of saving your job potentially after this year. Like, do you want to hit your wagon at Andy Dalton? No offense to Andy Dalton. Been in the league for a long time. Like the guy. he's He can play, too. Let's not undersell what Andy Dalton can do. But the, the, the reality is he's the— Again, it's a very similar situation to to the 49ers. The more dynamic quarterback, younger quarterback, higher ceiling, higher leadership qualities as far as what he can become. And I think it's just cut and dry. You have to do it. And the fans are all the fans of Chicago, Ethan being one of them, he's like they're not gonna let them off easy. If if Andy Dalton's a starter and it was at least close, or or if Justin Fields just outright played better than him in the preseason, they like you have to start Fields. He has to be your guy. Like you're doing your franchise a disservice if he's not right. Like, like, like what was I the point he, of moving up and taking him? They traded up for him, I think. What was the point of? Did they trade? I forget. They, they did. They did. What was the point of trading up for him then? Like they traded up to get him. What was the point of trading up? And then, I mean, obviously he's definitely going to start before the end of the season. Like I could see that and everything. I just don't know why. You know, you you, you got to get a look at him in the preseason <laughs> at least, and then make that decision. But personally, I I don't think if he doesn't start week one by week at least week three, he's he's got to be the starting quarterback, and you can't look back at that point. He will be. He will be. He has to be. It's only, like, with him, with that situation, it's only a matter of time before somebody realizes that this guy is not only great, but he needs to start if they have any chance of keep, keeping their job. Because that's, I think, the biggest thing that's going to factor into this decision is how much on the hot seat is Matt Nagy. Because no coach wants to lose their job. They, they Like, we've seen coaches be desperate, desperate, to to keep their jobs and sometimes they make moves like this to pay off so we'll see what happens a lot more battles that are going to happen though the, like you know the interesting one that i was talking about was uh or that nobody's talking about but that i'm like focused in on because he's my guy is the one up in philly the quarterback competition as they're calling it up in philly between joe flacco and uh and, and jalen hurts like because that's what the i forgot his name but that's what the eagles coach said the eagles coach said that there's a quarterback competition going on that they have not decided on a starter between Hurts uh, and Flacco. So, well, what do you think about that? What do you think about him coming out in that way and saying that there is an open competition at that slot? I think it's a smokescreen, dude. I just don't think they want to announce Hurts as a starting quarterback yet, just because. Um, th- look at the way last season ended, where they ended up benching Hurts to they benched Hurts in the last what last two quarters of that game, basically in the second half or fourth quarter to. Um, they ended up benching Hurts just to um, tank. Gar- yeah, guarantee that they would lose to screw over the Giants. I just think it's a smokescreen, dude. I don't think there really isn't much of a competition. I think they're having a competition to evaluate the two of them, but I don't really think it is much of a competition. I think week one, they're going to march Jalen Hurts out there and see what Jalen Hurts can do in year two. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, I mean, like, look, I'm, I'm a Ravens fan. I love Joe Flacco. That That's just true. But but if we're being honest about it, right, Jalen Hurts, is it's, it's a very similar situation to all these other things we've been talking about. Younger guy, like it's a younger guy, more of a high ceiling. You want to see more out of him. You want to see what he can do, you know, more dynamic quarterback as well. So for me, it's like it's only like it's only one of these things is it's Jalen Hurts' job to lose. Like that's what it really is showing to me is 
is Jalen Hurts' job to lose? Maybe they've seen something out of him in this offense that they don't like. Maybe they're just trying to motivate him. But it, but we all know Jalen Hurts is likely going to be the starting quarterback unless he just completely collapses. Unless he completely collapses in training camp in the preseason, just doesn't play well at all. That's the only way I could see maybe Flacco starting. Uh, injury also, if, if, if Jalen Hurts gets injured. like That's been Flacco's specialty, by the way. Every year since 2008, you are guaranteed to get at least like three or four Joe Flacco starts. That is, we are guaranteed to have that every single year. So, you know, we'll see what happens down the line. Could I see Flacco coming in? Yeah. Could I see him, you know, like taking over and winning and winning some games for this team? Yeah, because like look at what Flacco did like for that New York Jets team last year. You know, he started a few games. The first one wasn't great. I'm not gonna lie about that. They they got blown out by Miami, but Monday Night Football came in, played great, great against the New England Patriots. So again, like and Eagles, I would say are a better team than that Jets team are. Just just truth, and they're in a more or I should I say least or more competitive. I don't even know what to call that division. That like the the. The NF- they're in the NFC East, which is like the, the least talented but somehow most competitive division in the NFL. So, you know, he, he could wait. You fuck around and win some games there. I'm not even going to lie more, to you. So I think, yeah, I, you're right. It's, it's, it's kind of – it's less talented, I would say, but more competitive because of just how close all four of those teams are to each other. Exactly. It's like – like, People want to say, oh, there's just huge depth of talent between the Cowboys and everyone else. Like, no, no, there's no, 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 no. Don't get me no, wrong. Don't well, get me no, wrong. no, no, look, like, okay. They got some names. They, they got some big names, but so do the Giants, some... too. But they're still going to lose games they shouldn't lose. Like, that's. Yeah. And if we want to talk about talent, look at the Washington football team. Look at, look at their defensive line. That defensive line is the best. It- I would say the best in the NFL. That's, like yeah. you got the reigning rookie uh, defensive rookie of the year. You got Montez Sweat. You got uh, you got I, the, the Dev Johnson Payne. Allen too. Payne. Like they have some absolute dogs on that defensive line that that are attacking. Like they need to come up with a nickname for that defensive line. That defensive front is probably the best in football, and people are gonna be privy to it this year because. They got Ryan Fitzmagic now. There's going to be some spotlight on that on that Washington football team. They got, uh, uh, you know, who knows what Taylor Heineke can do? Who knows what Taylor Heineke can do? That's another quarterback competition we didn't talk about. Washington. What the hell is going to happen in Washington? You got Taylor Heineke who came into that playoff game, play, played pretty well, almost, almost came just one dropped catch away from, I believe, either overtime or even winning that game and, and knocking out the Bucks in the playoffs. Like you got Taylor Heineke on one side, and then you got Ryan Fitzmagic, who, again, he's played for like 15 teams at this point. You know, he he's been around, but he's got a lot left in the tank still at, at like what 36 or 37. So on that note, since you brought up Washington, I want to ask you this then uh, on the uh, subject of Washington and quarterbacks. Uh, let's let me just ask you about another team in the AFC North. Uh, who signed a former Washington football team quarterback. Uh, at what point in the season do you think Pittsburgh just says no more Big Ben um, and they trot out uh, Dewey Haskins? Dude, that's if Dewey Haskins makes the team. That's if he makes a guy. He's, dude, they have him behind the depth chart, behind Mason fucking Rudolph. Like the Mason fucking Rudolph. This guy's only claim to fame is that on a Thursday night football game, fucking uh, what's in Miles Garrett took his helmet and just <laughs> walloped him across that. That's the that is what Mason Rudolph will be remembered for. Mason Rudolph, I'm, I'm 
well, I'll talk about I'll, I'll talk about Dewey Haskins in a second, but let me just do my little Mason Rudolph rant for a second. Mason Rudolph is that is going to be his height in the NFL. That's going to be his peak. I've seen this guy play. I've watched him closely. I always scout the Steelers very, very thoroughly. This guy is not going to be a starting quarterback. He is a bubble player who, by the luck of the draw, by the luck of just being on this team for the past like three or four years, he's still on this team. The Steelers are one of those organizations that they like to keep players around who are familiar with the offense, familiar with the the, the, the schemes and everything. So that's, again, if Dwayne Haskins actually is able to beat out uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer up there, then, you know... I don't know. That's like, look, it's a matter of time before Big Ben gets injured. It's a matter of time before that happens. If he does, then the Steelers are going to have a legitimate decision here because those are two quarterbacks that I think as far as what they've shown they can do in the NFL, as far as their talent level, their skill, they're pretty much similar, dude. Like, like, like they're pretty much similar. Like, like, look, I I dare to say Mason Rudolph's probably a better leader than, than Dwayne Haskins. But again, that's not Dewey saying Haskins, a lot. I think Dewey Haskins just ha- might have more raw ability. But, but how do you, but can you mold that ability? You, well, that's you, what but, I'm saying. And Dewey Haskins is also his own worst enemy. So the only person stopping Dewey Haskins is Dewey Haskins. So I'll never get over that. His team made the playoffs and he went to the strip club and got himself cut. That is like, look, hey, you, hey, you know who's most thankful about that, though? I promise you, Taylor Heineke is most thankful about that. They got that man paid. You're like big ups to Taylor Heineke, by the way. Like, like we didn't, we never got to talk about him and 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 his success. Like we we never focused on that when we were doing, when we were doing our playoff thing. But yo, Taylor Heineke signed like a pretty good deal with with Washington. He's probably gonna get paid if he does well this year, which you know he might do. He might do well enough to get paid. So I hope he does. I hope Taylor Heineke does. By the way, so and- big ups. Big shout out to Taylor Heineke. Before, before, before we switch gears, I just wanted to ask you this one too. Um, Go on the subject of um, Mike Glennon, um, do, Mike do you ever Mike Glennon? Glennon. The Sky oh. Cam, the Sky Cam will get you. Did you? Did you ever? Do you think we see Mike Glennon at all play this year? Do you think? Do you think Danny Dimes just shits the bed so bad this year that we see Mike Glennon? Fuck if I know. Probably. Probably we've seen him like every year. Like he, he's I, I talked about this with Flacco. Glennon's like the same thing. Well, no matter what, Glennon's manages to start a few games every single year. He just sneaks in there, makes his thirty million dollars somehow uh, off his contract, and then starts a few games and gets that little extra bonus for for just for just taking a snap. Like, but that's what Mike Glennon does. He, he's he's once a year, Mike Glennon, and he only comes once a year. Like that, that's him. But um. The sky look, he's, look, like, look, is there a chance they bench him for Mike Glennon? I don't know because honestly, if you're in New York and you're smart, I think you ride it. Look, here's the thing: you ride it out with Danny Dimes because let's be honest, Mike Glennon, uh, he's not he's not the future. He's just not the future. Like you're better off. If there's like another player, like 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 who is that one kid? Davis Webb. D- Davis Webb. This guy who was getting pointers from Eli Manning. They started Geno Smith over Davis Webb. You already knew what Geno Smith. That's okay. This that's that speaks to the ineptitude of this franchise, which is why I don't think they'll end up making the same mistake, or I hope they won't. They were in a situation where they were going to ruin Eli Manning's consecutive start streak. Right? They're just going to ruin no, 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 it. No, no, no. They they did. No, they, oh, they, they yeah, no, no. I'm talking about okay. I'm talking about like at that point in time, like in 2016, that week when they decided they came out, they were going to ruin it. Eli Manning was apparently giving pointers to Davis Webb, 
like at the lunch table, whatever, talking him through the playbook, helping him out, you know, doing what a great teammate does. Because, by the way, Eli Manning, one of the best teammates in NFL history, by the way, but the way he handled that, had I been in his shoes, I would not have handled it the same way. But they went around, they started Geno Smith. Then the next week, they went with Eli Manning again. He just played out the rest of the year. Davis Webb never took a snap, which is like the it's weird. It's the exact opposite of what you wanted. They th- this quarterback who had this record, who had this consecutive start streak, they just ruined it for no reason. They just started Geno Smith. We already knew what Geno Smith had. Just like in that situation, we already know what Mike Glennon has. We already know it. So you're better off starting uh, like the third string or whoever it is, like Clayton Fortnite Thorson, I think is his name. You're better off starting him. Like like. See what he can do. Just, just see what he can do. Like, like you might as well get a young guy in there. See what they can do. You, you never know. You might have the next Minshew. You might have the next, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Which again, that's not a bad thing. Like, if you can find a guy who's like your backup quarterback for the next decade, you can find your Jim Sorgi. Like, that's a good thing to have. A good backup plan while you draft, like you know, Rat, uh, Rattler or whoever is going to be in next year's draft or or, or what's lovely. that. What's that other guy, that quarterback from Alabama that everyone's talking about? Like, you know, like, like Bryce they're, Young. They're, yeah, Bryce Young. So the, the, there's a few different places they could go, but you don't you don't bench Daniel Jones for Mike fucking Glennon. Or or if you really if you're really optimistic, dude, if you really think, I'm telling you, dude, the Ohio State University just had this kid Quinn Ewers enroll. When I tell you, dude, this kid, this kid, he is the future, dude. I, I will I will believe it. When, look, look, look. I'm not saying Quinn, Quinn Ewers isn't good. I'm not saying, you know, he's not talented. I haven't seen him play yet. And ju- remember this. Justin Fields was not the rule. He was the exception to the rule about Ohio State quarterbacks. When he when this kid plays, when I see him play, I will make my judgment off of him. But until then, honestly, I'm not going to lie to you, Andrew. I'm skeptical. I'm mad gotta, skeptical. Dude, dude, you, you got to see this kid's mullet. You you gotta see this. <laughs> is it just the mullet? Is it just the mullet? No, is dude. This, mullet? This, this kid flicks his wrist and throws it eighty yards. This kid, he's six five. This this dude, kid is. Look, to be fair, to be fair, so did uh, so, so did that guy who won them the champion or the the national championship a few years ago. Like like uh, you know the guy oh, who Cardell Jones. Cardell Jones. He could throw. He, he could throw the fuck out of that football. Oh, it, he could it, throw the long ball. Hell yeah, he couldn't do anything else. He didn't get anywhere near the receivers, but he could throw it. He could throw it. Look, and again, he might be good. If you're hey, if you're listening, uh, viewers, you might be good, but I gotta see you play. I gotta see you play, and we'll make that. A, I'll I'll come back and I'll give you my evaluation after a few weeks. But you know, like I I, I can't like I can't just go off a of high school tape, you know, because like high school tape that's like good for evaluating college. I can't I can't evaluate NFL talent off of high school. Like, come on, unless you're like, unless you're like, you know, like fucking what what's it, Lamar Jackson? That's just like, oh wow, okay, you're just you just break the game. Cause that's what he did. He just broke the game uh, when he came in there. But yeah. Anyway, guys, Andrew, any other uh, quarterback battles you want to talk about? I feel like we went through basically all of them. Um, um unless, unless, dude, dude who, who's the Titans backup? Do they have a quarterback battle back down we there? Cut, dude, we just cut to Sean Kaiser, and I, I was heartbroken. Oh, you cut to Sean? Oh, dude, that man. If there's one player, I'm not going to lie to you, I feel bad for, it's Deshaun Kaiser. He was never got a fair chance. Never got a fair chance. I was rooting never. for him to make the team. I was rooting like, for him. Yeah, I mean, do you guys sign my Matt Barkley, though? Another guy yeah. who I'm, I'm kind of mad never got a real chance. Like, 
Because every time Matt Barkley's come in, he's been pretty, like, he's been solid. Matt Barkley has been solid most of the time whenever he comes in, whether it's, like, you know, in the fourth quarter. Or, or he had a run where he started for, for I think it was Chicago, when they were, like, shit. Like, they were doing really bad. He came in there, and he played, like, decent, you know, considering what that team was. But, yeah, remember Matt Barkley was supposed to be, like, he was supposed to be, had he come out, man, in 2012, Matt Barkley would have been much, I don't know about his NFL career, probably would have faded out of obscurity, but he would have been significantly richer than he is now. I can guarantee you that. He would have been a rich, rich boy. So as of right now, I think our backup is, it's been the Logan Woodside for the last few years since Tannehill obviously took over as a starter. It's been Logan Woodside, but... No, I it's, it's Barkley. Barkley. They, they, they signed Barkley to a two-year really, deal. But I, I really, I really, really wanted Deshaun Kaiser to make the team, dude. I, you know what? I wanted Deshaun Kaiser to make your team too because like that's a guy who he he's the talent is still there with that guy. The talent is still there, and dude, after what he went through in Cleveland, he could have very easily just like you know just been I'm done with football. He stuck in there. He played for a few different Deshaun, dude. Deshaun Kaiser, if you're out there, man, I hope he lands on his feet. I genuinely hope Deshaun Kaiser lands on his feet because he's just he's a he's a kid who. Had he gone to a better team, like it, like there had to be a guy, there had to be that guy who was gonna go zero and sixteen for the that Cleveland Browns team. That was going to happen. It was unavoidable. That team was going to lose, right? It, it's sad that it wound up being him because that dude was mad talented coming out of Notre Dame, and then yeah. But what else can you say? Like, I feel bad. I do too. Yeah, I rarely feel bad for players, but I definitely feel bad for Deshaun Kaiser. He's in anyway, peace. he's in peace. Yeah, well. Well, hopefully he hopefully he saved up some money. Hopefully he gets another chance. What am I saying? Anyway, guys, let's keep it going. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Also, 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 if you're listening to this on Spotify, give us a follow. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a five-star review as well so as many people as possible can see this. Hit that like button as well, guys, if you're watching this live on YouTube. Let's spread the love. Spread the real take culture. All that jazz. And before we go move on to our next thing, let's take some questions from the chat here because we got a few. Um, so when speaking about Jimmy Garoppolo, since he says he was carried by Raheem Mostert and the defense, which is true. Since he, is- echo- echoing my sentiment, says Hurts, oh, uh, sorry, Flacco over Hurts. Interesting. Interesting. Interesting take. Cincy also says Cardell Jones was a backup in the XFL. Yes, he was, and he was a backup for the greatest XFL team there was, the D.C. Defenders. We're coming back 2022, baby, or 2023, whenever the hell that thing maybe comes back. Um, And last thing from Cincy, he says, Brandon Wilson and Joe Burrow. He said said it in, like, the SpongeBob chicken, like, like you know, with one letter bigger than the other. I don't know. Wh- I don't know why he did that, but okay. Um, Trevor. Oh, Trevor Sutton, host of the or co-host of Real Take Russell Talk on Tuesdays, just said Fields was exceptional. Period. Damn straight, Trevor. Damn straight, Trevor. Actually, Trevor, let's make you a mod on here. Yeah, l- let's make you a mod on this, cause cause you're a. You're part of the Real Take family. If you're part of the Real Take family, you get to be a mod. Anyway, let's move on, Andrew. And talk about a little more in depth about the NBA. So the NBA NBA free agency brought us many things, but it brought the Lakers some big time talent. So let's take a look at some of the arrivals that and the additions that the Los Angeles Lakers have made. They brought in Russell Wilson through that trade. Carmelo Anthony, obviously, they signed. They also signed Dwight Howard, Kent Bazemore, Kendrick Nunn, 
Trevor Ariza, and Malik Monk. So these are some big names. Honestly, these are some big names that the Lakers have been able to sign. And look, they already had the foundation. They got LeBron there. They got Anthony Davis there. And I think they finally saw the they finally gotten out the pieces around them that we they were we were wondering would they ever show up? Would they ever get that third guy, potentially that second guy, wherever you rate Andrew or uh, Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook? So I'm going to ask you this, Andrew. With the additions that the Lakers have made, are the Lakers now the favorites to win the NBA championship? Hell no. They ain't even the favorites to come out of the damn West, dude. There's Ooh. four teams in the West that are better than them, dude. On paper, this team look this team like 10 years ago would look dope. This team 10 years ago would look dope as hell. Uh right now though, dude, no. L- look at how old these dudes are. This is Dwight Howard's third stint. His third stint yeah. in LA after what? The first one, which is a complete failure. And and that also was a team of aging stars with an old Gasol. Um, uh, Steve Nash was on his last. Like Steve Nash already had one foot out out of the NBA already. Like that was his last real stint in the NBA. Uh, Kobe. This was like after they won the title, and Kobe was all like, you know, he started. He we can slowly start to see like age was catching up to Kobe at that point. Even though he willed them to the playoffs, like. Despite all the injuries and shit, Kobe just said, fuck this, we're going to the... They, they lost in the first round, but Kobe said, no, nah, I'm getting us to the playoffs at least. So there was that. But, nah, dude, this team is not even the best in the West, dude. This team is... They're like... There's like four teams in the West that are better than them. And the issue is that, yes, they did have Russell four Westbrook. Teams. I don't know. I don't know how... Yes, I don't know how Russell Westbrook fits aside LeBron just because, you know, LeBron is not a spot-up shooter. Westbrook plays a similar game to LeBron where he plays downhill. He plays a 1,000 miles an hour. He likes to shoot his elbow jumpers and brick his elbow jumpers, even though I love Russell Westbrook, okay? He, he, can't, he can't shoot for shit, okay? He'll, you look at the numbers that he puts up, he'll score 27, but he'll take 30 shots. So you have that. The only real dude that I really see that I like in that signing, two of them. I like the Kent Bazemore just because that's a stretch. Like, that. that's a, a spot-up shooter that they can bring in. I like – by the way, Ariza? No, hell no. Ariza's been in the league since 2004, 2005, dude. His best days are behind him. Kendrick Nunn is one of the most inconsistent players. You thought Terrence Ross was inconsistent? Go, look, go watch Kendrick Nunn tape. You're going to see some really consistency there. The only two players I really like were the Kent Bazemore edition and the Malik Monk edition. That's because Malik Monk, I still believe, has – a lot of potential, but like a lot of young players that come to play with LeBron, that's where your career goes to die if you're a young player. So um, I I don't see this team really doing much, dude. On paper, they look cool. Defensively, though, dude, they let Caruso walk, who was arguably their best defender. They brought in Carmelo and Yeah, yeah, yes. On ball, arguably their best on-ball defender. And that's not saying a lot, dude, because LeBron hasn't defended since he played in Miami. He literally has not played defense since he was in Miami. Anthony Davis is not on the court enough to really play defense. Dwight Howard, once again, has – he. Who's Dwight Howard going to guard? He can't guard anyone foul line extended. And even in the paint, sometimes he can't really guard anybody either. Uh, He don't have the same athleticism that he used to have to block those shots. Um, So, frankly, you know, who is this team going to defend? Like, how are they going to play defense? Um, They're going to give up 130 points every game. Um, And then you have to take into fact, dude, the injury aspect of it, okay? LeBron. The injuries are catching up to him. He can't play at the same level he used to. He's bringing in other guys that, you know, yes, they are big names, but 
the injuries caught up to him, and the injuries have been an ongoing struggle with Anthony Davis since he came into the league. That's always been the problem with Anthony Davis is when he's on the court, he's great. The problem is he can't stay on the court long enough to make a contribution. So this Lakers team, dude, I don't really see them doing that much. They do have a lot of big names, but at a lo- most of these players, dude, a lot of names on that list you showed me, dude, their names are a lot bigger than their games are at this point. And that's why it doesn't it doesn't bode well for the Lakers, dude. Think about it. Their problem, dude, they got older. They didn't get younger. They got older. Look at these teams they got to compete against, dude. Phoenix, young team. Utah, young team. Um, what's the other one? Um the uh, Denver, Denver is a young team. So that's three teams all together. And then head-to-head, dude, even without Kawhi and everything, I still think head-to-head that the Clippers, given what they bought back, the Clippers have enough talent where if those two were to meet in a seven-game series, I think the Clippers could really give them uh, – yes, the Clippers could give them a fight in a seven-game series. But those other three teams, dude, they're just younger. Like, they're just younger. They're – in better like i'm not gonna say better physical condition but it's it's like when you have you know old men playing against young kids and it gets to a point where the old men can't keep up with the young kids that's what this lakers team is they're old men when you take them to account them going up against phoenix where outside of chris paul every dude on that team is young um denver you know, every dude on that team is young. Jamal Murray, Barton, Jokic. They're, they're, they, these are young guys. And then Utah is another one, dude. Mitchell, um, Jordan Clarkson. Like, these are not 35 and up guys. These are all young guys that are in their prime that can still play. And the Lakers, they're guys that are past their primes. See, again, like, like so you mentioned, like, you know, this is an old team. You mentioned the injuries to LeBron. That's exactly why I think you make some of these moves, honestly. At least to me, you, LeBron and KD have, or LeBron and AD have both been injured for a lot of the years over the past year. You know, that's kind of why they didn't really compete this year. AD was injured. So what do you need to combat that? You need to put the ball less in LeBron's hands. You need to give them, uh, you need to get bring in someone who can score. You bring in someone who can do a little bit of everything for that team, take pressure off of AD, take pressure off LeBron. And that's what I think they did with Russell Westbrook. They brought in a guy who, honestly, I think could still be the second best player on this team as far as the impact he has on this game. He's got he's someone who I think LeBron is actually going to trust to handle the ball and dish out passes. And it's going to make LeBron's job a whole hell of a lot easier. That will allow him to focus more on defense. That will allow him to do many of the things that you allege that he doesn't or can't do, but he really doesn't do or doesn't emphasize anymore because he's such a focal point of the offense. So bringing in Russell Westbrook, obviously that was the biggest signing for them. Other than that, they brought in Carmelo Anthony to fill out a spot. They brought in Dwight Howard to fill out a spot. That They're bringing in older guys. Yeah, they're just filling out spots on their teams. That's why you see people like JaVel McGee moving teams. Like, he's one of those players. You sign him whenever you need someone to come in, play defense, score like five points a game or whatever. Be that that, that scrappy player. You know, Kirk Heinrich filled a similar role to, towards the latter end of his career. Like, he, these are some of the guys LeBron will always bring in. But the crucial point was bringing in Russ because no matter the pieces around him, as long as the pieces are generally, if you're talking about talent level, they're at least the same, if not better, than they were last year, even with Schroeder potentially being gone or what have you. I still think Russell Westbrook 
provided this team with with so much so much talent now. He's provided this team with so much talent and he's providing this team with so much production and potential production. Like there's a there's a good chance Russell Westbrook comes on the team, still averages a triple double. Whether he's not going to score 30 points a game, he's not he might not even score 20. He might have an 18, 10, and 10 triple double average. But you know what? On this team, his that that impact is going to speak volumes because, like I said, it's going to take pressure off LeBron. It's going to take pressure off AD. They can focus on their aspects of the game. It'll make their game flow better. It'll make them play better. Uh, so I think they had a great offseason. I think that this makes them the best team in the West. I genuinely think that makes them the best team in the West because this is a team that was already they were already when LeBron and KD were were working when they were healthy clicking on all cylinders they were good this is a team that was good they went out there and they won a championship you add Russell Westbrook to that you add the, you assume that they're going to get healthy like if under that assumption I don't think there's a team in the West honestly that can really stop this team other than maybe the Suns, you know, and maybe Dallas, if that's and that's if that's a big if if they get a, another superstar next to Luka Doncic, which there's no indication they're going to do. So I would say it's the Suns and the Lakers, and I would give the slight edge to the Lakers. And is it because LeBron? Yes. Is it because of AD? Yes. Is it because LeBron and AD are playing with Russell Westbrook? Yes. 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 I'm gonna give them the edge. And again, one thing to keep in mind. If your prognosis, like you gave a good prognosis, if this was a team that was trying to set up to win championships, like for the next five years, there is no five-year plan in Los Angeles right now. The plan is win now, win this year, figure out, adjust in the offseason. We'll figure that out later. Focus on what's going on next year because LeBron's 36, Melo, 38. Uh, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook just turned, I believe, 33, 32. You know, these, these guys, they're, they're not they're not spring chickens no more. The, these, these guys are getting older, and the window is closing. So the goal is, before the window closes, maximize the talent, maximize your ability. And that's what I think a lot of these players signed up to do. And look, Trevor Ariza, he's not of the Trevor Ariza of old, but can he come in and contribute? Absolutely. Uh, uh, same thing. Same thing with a lot of these guys. Same thing with Dwight Howard. We saw he can still contribute. He's not gonna give you like like ten rebounds a game. He's not gonna do all that. He doesn't need to be. That's not why you brought him in. You brought him in to come in, uh, be one of those players who understands the moment, understands what it takes to play in the playoffs, has that experience, can teach maybe the younger guys a little bit of something. You know, there's aspects of coaching to go into this too. So, I like the moves. I think it it, it just makes them. You know, just and maybe an edge better than the Suns. I still think it's very evenly matched in a seven game series. I don't even know who would win, but I guess the Clippers in a seven game series. Yeah, this team healthy. Oh, they're they're winning. It's no, no contest. No contest. We'll see what happens. I'm skeptical of this team because defensively they're not going to stop nobody, dude. This team can't defend nobody. So unless unless they're this team, who are the Nets going to defend? Who are the Nets going to defend? Who are the Nets going to defend? The Nets well, did you, a pretty good out, job outside of KD. Them. Outside of KD, who's who on the team plays defense? Um, Bruce Brown, the role guy, the role player guys. Um, I mean Bruce Brown. Uh, Joe Harris tries to, but Joe, yeah, he tries to. Like James Harden tries to. Everyone on that team, like Kyrie, tries to. Like, but they don't. And like, I think, I think you. If this team was less talented on offense, you would have a point. You would, or I would understand your point probably better, right? But but can like, but it's like the Nets. They're they're so op on offense. They have James Harden. They have KD. They have automatic scoring and Kyrie Irving and all those guys whenever they want. So it's like one of those things of they only need to play defense to an extent. So I think it's a 
not the same level. Don't get me wrong. I don't think they're still better than the Nets. I, I would still give the Nets an edge over the Lakers, and like it's, it's significant enough advantage over the Lakers that how healthy both teams, the Nets take the series in like five games. Like that's how that's how good I think the Nets are. I think the East right now, the prognosis for the East over the next few years is much better than the West overall yeah, as far as talent. I think I think yeah, that's about right for the East. I don't know. We're gonna see what happens to the Lakers team. I'm very skeptical of it just because I don't, you know, I'm not too high on this team. I don't think this team really got. Yes, they did add Russell Westbrook, but in all honesty, I don't think they got as much better as a lot of people think think they did well we'll see we'll see what happens uh, one more question about the lakers that i think it's it's separate from like this team it's more about specific players so carmel anthony he's 38 years old we saw him play with the trailblazers last year he, he filled a role he, like he, he did that he comes over to the lakers now is assuming where his, his last chance to really win a title his last chance to at least compete really what a lot of people are thinking how much does Melo have left in the tank and what can he be on this team specifically, he's gonna have to be. He's gonna have to be what he was, or what they wanted him to be in Portland, which is just a spot up shooter. I don't know if he can even do that because it's he just it's never how he was. He's always used to being the guy, and <laughs> when they've tried to make him a spot up shooter, he has had instances where yeah, he's shown flashes of being able to spot up, but for the most part, you know, he's he's not the player he used to be, dude. Honestly, this is his last thing. Like he's gonna his ex-wife or whatever, she's out there in LA. I think he's just going to, this is it. He's going to call it after this. He just retire a Laker. And if not this season, the season after, but I, I don't, I don't see it going much going farther than this season. Honestly, dude. Yeah. I don't think it is either. I mean, look, he, he averaged like what, what was he like? He, he, he did, he did well enough. Like he averaged damn near 13 points a game this year. Like he, it's, it's no, it's not like he was, he was out there just missing shots left and right and, you know, not contributing. Like he, he filled a role. And I think Melo at this point in his career, he understands where, where he stands. He understands that he's not the Melo of old. The, the, the burden of, of winning isn't on him as much as far as, sorry, shouldn't say that. The burden of of being the best player on the team and being the only good player on the team, it's not on him. In like in years past, there are he's probably not even like if we're being honest, like this, like the probably eighth best player on this team. Like at, at considering what he can do as an all around player and, and contribute, like like he's somebody who's going to come in and score. They expect him to come in and score off the bench, and that's what I think he can provide. It, and like you said, if he accepts that role, I think he'll be fine. Uh, it's a, but if he doesn't, then there's going to be problems, obviously. But I think he's at this point in his career where he understands what he is, he understands where he is, and he understands who he's playing with. So those all those things considered, I think he, he'll be fine. I think you shouldn't expect him to score 20 points a game because I don't think that's realistic. That's not going to happen considering how much the scoring is going to be divided amongst three really big scorers in Anthony Davis, LeBron, and... Um, Russell Westbrook, but could he give you 10 points a game? Absolutely. Could he give you 13, 14? Hell yeah. If he does, that, I think that's a ceiling right there. Like 13, 14 points a game, just about what he was doing in Portland, which again was effective for the role he brought him in. They brought him in for. He's not going to be the third or fourth best guy on this team, and he he has to know that. He has to know that. 
I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll end up seeing what happens during the season, dude, because obviously, you know, once the season starts, they'll get a gauge on what it looks like. They'll obviously, the Lakers will make moves at the deadline and everything. So we'll see what happens during the season. And they just better hope, dude, that, you know, if they are in the same situation they were in last season, dude, they better hope they don't run into a team like Phoenix in the first round again, or it's going to be a repeat of these past playoffs. It could be. It could be. I mean, we'll, we'll see. They, I let, Let's hope they're not in a position like that considering uh, how the regular season goes. But we will see about that. Excuse me. Whew. Uh, but, guys, if you haven't already, make sure you hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel, youtube.com forward slash Real Take Sports. Again, youtube.com forward slash Real Take Sports. Follow us on Twitter at Real Take Sports. Use the hashtag Real Take to keep the conversation going at all times. And also, be sure to check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Real Take Sports. We got live streams after our Tuesday wrestling show, exclusive live streams on Patreon. Also going to be releasing some exclusive content on there this week. Uh, it's going to be that Sports Revisited series that we're going to be doing every month. It's So it's going to be exclusive to Patreon for the first week, and then it's going to be on the broader YouTube channels and what have you later. But you can see that first and see it uh, before anybody YouTube uh, on Patreon.com forward slash Real Take Sports. Andrew, let's move on and talk back. Let's go talk back. Ah, let's go back and talk about the NFL. We talked about quarterback battles, but one quarterback who might be on his way out of his current situation and on his way to a place that we talked about might have a quarterback battle is Deshaun Watson. So, again, these are just reports. Some, some of these are rumors, so take it with a grain of salt. But it's big enough for us to talk about. Deshaun Watson uh, trade talks have been heating up between Philadelphia and the Houston Texans, according to multiple reports. There's a long timeline of the Eagles being connected to Watson going back to whenever he asked for that trade earlier in the offseason. And there's a little bit of, of expectation that this deal could possibly get done within the first two weeks of the preseason. If it doesn't get done at that point, I think... We're not going to see it get done at all. Watson has, of course, had some legal trouble over the past few number of months. And, you know, so that speaks for itself. But other reports have said that the two teams, are, while they're talking, it, they're not really heating up as it was claimed. But we're, what we've learned of the, from the NFL is where there's smoke, there's usually fire. So, Andrew, I'm going to ask you, what do we think about the fit of Deshaun Watson in Philadelphia and what could it possibly cost them? If you're Philly, dude, you're going to have to fork over some first-round picks, dude. The fit, um, look at the kind of quarterback Watson is. He's a playmaker. He's mobile. He's basically uh, – he's – you look at a guy like Jalen Hurts, dude, he's basically a more polished, better version of Jalen Hurts. A lot, lot better version of what Jalen Hurts is. So he's a lot better version of what they are probably already going to march out there. And he's a proven guy, you know, Houston. They've been to the playoffs. They've been to um, the divisional round and everything multiple times. Um, I think he's been an all-pro, too. So he's a proven guy and everything. And what are they getting? They're getting a better version of what they already have and a guy who's proven. And I think Watson would fit in Philly. I mean, Watson's one of those guys, dude, because he's a playmaker. He could fit pretty much anywhere because he can extend plays and he can use his legs. I've been watching enough of fucking Watson since his days at Clemson and then in the fucking AFC South in Houston. I've been watching enough of Deshaun Watson to know what Deshaun Watson brings to the table. He would fit perfectly in Philly because he's basically just a better version of what they already have. A lot better. Oh, yeah. Like, if you ask me, Deshaun Watson, like, 
he is a he's a top ten like he's easily a top ten quarterback. The ability is there, the arm strength is there, the accuracy is there, the leadership is there. We know what he is. He is worth probably like three or four first round picks. If we're being honest oh, yeah. with you, and like that's. Houston, by the way, I'm sorry, sorry to cut you off. The only way Go Houston, ahead. the only way Houston even pulls the trigger and sends him away is because Houston doesn't have any first round picks for the next couple of years. Like, the yeah. only way Houston even does that is if they get first round picks, and that's going to be interesting to see because teams knowing that they are that handcuffed with between the contract and knowing that you know they want first round picks, you're going to see you know. Could he go to Philly? You're going to see Philly maybe try to hold out and see if they could maybe, you know, finesse or maybe um, instead of an extra first round pick, maybe send like a later, like in uh, a later, like second or third round pick years down the road so they could hang on to that potential future first round. They're definitely going to send first rounders. If they do make this move, definitely send first rounders. But how many first rounders is the question? And Philly, I mean, the whole NFL knowing the situation that, Houston is in with regards to that draft, like with their draft picks, uh, I could see them holding out and potentially trying to, you know, instead of sending one extra first rounder, maybe sending like a future second or a future third in the place of that extra first rounder. I mean, see, I agree with you in part, but, but I think that the onus is more on Philly because it depends on how much they actually want them. Because, like, like, if we're being honest, Philly isn't a team that's a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. That's just not true. They're not a quarterback away from they're they're a quarterback away, they're Deshaun Watson away from winning this division. If Deshaun Watson shows up in in Philly, he's they're they're, they're well, easily easily like the, the favorite. The odds of then. them winning the division definitely shoot up. Oh well, yeah, because they're not. No one's ever gonna beat the odds makers as far. Or no one's gonna in the eyes of the odds makers, the Cowboys are always gonna be number one in that division. But until as the far Cowboys as, decide to Cowboys, and... yeah, well, the, until they Dallas it. But but the Eagle, so it's all in their ballpark. I think. I think. The, the 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 cost is going to be probably three to four first round picks plus some other compensation as well because that's what the Houston Texans are going to want. The other thing that's been lingering about this that, that we've kind of talked around are the legal issues that Deshaun Watson is facing. Does that they like because they're still there? He's at training camp and all that, but he, they're still there. Does that potentially drive the price down for this guy who might have all the talent but comes with some extra baggage that you're going to have to deal with? Is that going to distract the other players? Is that going to distract the team? Is he going to miss time? Those are things that, you know, Philly are probably thinking about when they're when they're making this, these decisions. So those are things to keep in mind. So could that potentially drive the price down maybe um, as far as the fit go? I mean, it's not like – so, again, it's not like Philly's a quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl. That's not what this team is. Deshaun Watson will immediately impact this team in a positive way, but they got to get better defensively. They got to get better on the offensive line. They got to get better, uh, better receivers, better help for Deshaun Watson. You know, because if he doesn't have anyone to throw to, it's going to be very similar to what he was in uh, in Houston last year, which is like he played great. Everyone around him sucked, and the team's going to go four and twelve or whatever or be mediocre. So to kind of out outclass, I guess, or, or, or outbalance that mediocrity, they're going to have to do something. Um, and, and you would have to think, like, is Philly the right fit for him at this point? Because, and is this even the right fit for Philly? Because, like, dude, if you if you if you do if you pull a Bill O'Brien, right? I, I shouldn't say that because because Deshaun Watson is significantly better player than than anyone Bill O'Brien traded for. But but if but if you take away or if you trade away like your future, basically next two. Let's say two-year first-round picks, right? Really nice about this. You trade away your next two first-round picks. Is it going to be really worth it 
if your team is middling or maybe makes the playoffs at like eight and eight or or not eight and eight, eight and nine, nine and eight, whatever it's going to be, and then on and then on the flip side, you know, you don't have any more first round picks to help build out the team and fill out the roster and get some other pieces that you need. Because in order to win a Super Bowl, in order to compete in the playoffs, they're going to need defense. They're going to need better defensive line. They're going to need a better offensive line. Like, these are things that these are big holes that we saw last year in this team that that really held them back from even competing. Like the Eagles were out of the, were the first team in the NFC East out of the playoff hunt. That is a big freaking deal. That is a big big. Uh, indictment that is a big uh, damn that's damning for them. So they have a long ways to go. And and a Deshaun Watson, one Deshaun Watson is not going to fix it. You know, like so. So those are that's something to think about. But you know, as far as talks of them heating up, I think that's probably taken a little bit out of proportion. I don't think that the talks are heating up because if they were, I think we would have seen somebody pull the trigger by now. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if if, if the Eagles are trigger happy because. You do this, you fill out your you fill out your most important position, but what happens to the rest? That's why I'm always shaky about, you know, just trading for a quarterback and then hoping everything else will fall in place. Well, what's their cap situation looking like in Philly too? Because don't forget they did who did they who who did they trade for when in the Carson Wentz deal? What did they how did the Carson Wentz deal go down? Because so it they was got like, out of It's a conditional it's like a conditional second round pick, I think. It, so it's like a second round pick that can turn or sorry, it's a third round pick or something that can turn to a second round pick or, or a second round pick that can turn to a first round pick. I think it's a ladder actually. So so like it's one of those kinds of picks. So it's like um basically a second round pick. It just depends on how many games Wentz plays and if he wins and, and from the look of it, he's gonna miss some time. So it might end up just being like, you know, the shorter end of that. But the yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say you also have to look at the cap situation too, because Deshaun yeah. Watson, sixteen million dollars. That's a pretty big price tag. I mean, it's I don't know, if, I don't know if his is as big, but still a pretty big price tag. And you don't know how much Houston is willing to, you know, take on. Like you don't know how much Houston is willing to say, like you know, we're gonna pay a little bit. You don't know. So that's all the stuff they have to iron out. But see what happens with that. Yeah, we'll see what happens, man. Like we'll stay up to date on that. And you Listen, guys can you don't even hope. know if they'll get a first rounder. Don't forget, dude. Uh Julio Jones went for a second rounder. Nuke. Nuke went for a second rounder. Like no, these no, no. Guys... he went for worse. He went for worse. Nuke went for a second rounder, and you had to take you had to take Johnson. Fucking uh you had to take his contract. Oh my god. Yeah, can, can, all right, can we settle this? Worst GM in modern history, in modern NFL history, has gotta be Bill O'Brien. Yeah, he was absolutely. there for like less than twelve months, and he's like the worst GM in, in in modern NFL history. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, how do you like? Even you don't like. You don't even like uh, 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 Nuke. You don't even like DeAndre Hopkins. But even you, like you, like you, when you read that, was like, that's I'll tell you dumb. what though, dude. That's this trade dumb. right here, dude. I would fucking love this shit. Get him out of my division, dude. <laughs> sick and tired of watching him throw for 500 yards against my team because my team can't play defense. I'm getting sick of that shit. It's like the 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 out of the four games they win, one or two of them is always going to be against the Titans. Yeah, and I'm getting sick of him put up 500 yards against my team because we can't stop nobody. So get him out of my division. If you Philly, if you're listening to this dude, make this damn deal. Get this man out of the AFC South right now. I don't want to have to deal with Car- the the only thing I really I'm, I'm serious, dude. The only thing I really want to worry about this season, the only quarterback I really want to worry about this season is Carson Wentz. I really don't think Carson Wentz is going to come back the same player. I, as good as as good of a coach as Frank Reich is, I I think Carson Wentz is damaged goods. That ship has sailed. The only quarterback I really want to worry about is a rookie sunshine. That is it. 
That's the only quarterback I want to worry about. That's the only quarterback I want to worry about. I want Watson out. Get this man out. Because as as bad as that team is going to be, I'm going to have to sit there twice twice this season and watch him put 500 yards on my team and have us win on a 50-yard field goal. That's what's going to happen because we can't stop them? No. Hell no. Get him out. Andrew's heart can't take that. It Billy really take, can't. Billy, make this damn trade. No, dude, because I'm, I'm getting sick of watching Watson throw for 500 yards against my team because we can't stop nobody. In the chat, Cincy Edit says, how many times is this, is this guy going to say dude? Cincy, I, I can tell you right now, it's a lot. <laughs> Cincy, I've known him for five years now. Actually, six. Holy shit, we've known each other for a long time. A long time. Long time. Roll tad. Um, But yeah, we've known each other. What do you think about CJ Henderson? Or is that his name? CJ Henderson, the cornerback Corner. for the for the Corner Jaguars. For the yeah, I yeah, love yeah, him. yeah, 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 yeah. You, you think you, you think there's a chance you guys trade for him? Because he's no. on the trade market. Jacksonville. First off, Jacksonville's not making Jacksonville's not making trades in the division, dude. Jacksonville is never going to make a trade, dude. We wanted. By the way, dude, Jalen Ramsey. I oh, he was never okay. Okay, he was too good. He was never going to Tennessee. Oh no, they were never going to send him there. But Jalen Ramsey, actually, I can go back and find you interviews that Jalen Ramsey Jalen Ramsey said his two preferred destinations right before he got traded was Tennessee or Oakland and they said no we're gonna send you to LA instead because LA had the best offer um they're not gonna say I I would love CJ Henderson by the way dude I would love him because just have that young uh he he's gonna step in and Janoris Jenkins is not a he's not a DB of the future for us he's just a filler until Caleb Farley can finally get in the fucking field um so I would love C.J. Henderson, dude, because C.J. Henderson was a stud. C.J. Henderson was one of those players who flew under the radar last year. Jacksonville was so bad, people didn't realize C.J. Henderson had a quiet, quiet, like really good rookie season. Yeah, I was man. high on you, him you guys need too. to fill out you, you guys need to fill out your cornerback room too. Like after you lost to Dory Jackson, that was a big that was a big loss for you guys. Well, I mean, we got I mean Christian. Well, you guys, Fulton, well, you guys that, he was a cap casualty, wasn't he? You guys just released him. We had you knew, to because you know picked- he wasn't gonna. Well, because we picked up his fifth year, and then we weren't going to be able to we weren't going to be able to sign any of our draft picks because we didn't have money, so we had to get rid of him. We had to get rid of a lot of dudes, and we had to restructure some contracts. We had to restructure. We had to restructure. Who was it? Tannehill had to restructure his contract before we traded for, so that we would have enough money to trade for Julio Jones. So that's well, how capped le- out we were. At least he did that. At least he did that for you guys. Of all the things, like the the ninety million dollar man. And look, look, Ryan Tannehill last year. By the way, want to make it clear, had a great year. I'll, I'll admit it, even much better year than I thought it was going to have, but can he keep it up? We'll see. Anyway, Andrew, let's switch gears now and talk about the NBA. Let's go back to the NBA and talk about the Miami Heat, who are one of the teams that you and I talked about in the East. There were a lot of teams in the East that got better. There were a lot of teams in the East that got, uh, oh, here we go. Hold up. Before we get to that, this is, I can't miss this. So, Cincy in the chat says, can we have a funeral for Joe Burrow's knee? <laughs> I'm telling you, bro. Okay, I'm right before he got injured, dude. Right before he got injured, some moron on Twitter from the Bengals. It was whoever the Bengals PR dude. I gotta go find it. He he posted the video of 2007 when Lendale White, the Titans, when we started 11 and 0. Right, we started 11 and 0. We I think it was a week 13 or 14 game where we beat Pittsburgh. We beat Pittsburgh. And Lendale White's dumbass decided to take the terrible towel and step on it. And it was a big deal. 
what does this idiot from the from the from the Bengals do? He posted on Twitter and he was like, "LOL, this is what we're gonna do to the um, to the Steelers this week." And then what ends up happening that like same week, Joe Burrow tears his ACL. Or two weeks later, Joe Burrow tore his ACL. I'm telling you, dude, do not fuck with that towel. I watched it happen. My team started out 11 0 in 2007, went into the 2008 playoffs 13 and three, and we. Chris Johnson got hurt in the first half. Lendale White fumbled three times, and we started out the next season like 0-7. Do not fuck with that towel, dude. I'm telling you. You got plenty of Baltimore Ravens fans fucking that towel. Like, there are definitely some Ravens fans who've, like, wiped their butt with that towel. Like, oh, hell yeah, dude. Hushmanzada in, in 05, dude. Oh, man. TJ. TJ, who's your daddy? Oh, I'm having flashbacks to the 2010 playoffs when he just dropped that pass that would have helped us tie the game. Oh, my God. Dude, dude, it's wild. The Ravens could have been in the AFC championship game for like literally like five straight years. Like it, 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 and it's all because of like, like drop passes, like, like, like who's your daddy dropped that pass. We would have been in the AFC championship game. We would have been in the Super Bowl back to back years. If it wasn't for Lee Evans and Billy Cundiff, Billy fucking Cundiff, man. I, I, you know what I did? I've never said this story to anyone. Like I've never told the story to anyone. Billy Cundiff was one of my favorite players. Cause I was like, all in. I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I love Billy Cundiff. I, for some reason, like, I like kickers, right? He's, like, one of my favorite kickers. He signed with the Ravens. I was like, yes. Fuck. Um, yeah. We had Hauschka, and he missed, like, three game-winning field goals. I was like, yeah, fuck Hauschka. We got Cundiff. I was all on Team Cundiff. He broke the touchback. He, before they moved the yard line back, the, the, the kickoff line back, Billy Cundiff broke the touchback record in the NFL. It, it got and which was a huge, huge accomplishment back in the day like that because that's before they moved it back to the 35 yard line. Now everything's a touchback. This is like when it was like it was hard to get a touchback. He broke that record. He was having a great season. You know what I did, Andrew? I stayed up all night when the Pro Bowl voting opened. I voted for this man like a thousand times, like no cap. I stayed up. I was like refresh. Vote, Cundiff, submit. Refresh, vote, Cundiff, submit. I voted for this man literally a thousand times. And you know what happens a few weeks later, Andrew? You know who they announce makes the Pro Bowl? Billy fucking Cundiff. Billy fucking Cundiff. He rewards me back a year later, and he's like, oh, I missed the kick. This fucking guy. I'm sorry. Hey, if it makes you feel any better, I had to watch Ryan suck up for Tennessee last year. Um, the team, when we went to the AFC Championship game, I had to watch Ryan suck up. Um... Miss a shit ton of field goals for us because Ciro Santos couldn't make shit. And then Ryan Suckup gets released in the offseason because we we haven't had a kicker ever. We really we literally have have never had a kicker ever, dude. And then signs with Tampa Bay doesn't miss a fucking like kick all season and wins a Super Bowl. That's why I, I never I never understood that. So here's the thing. So, so your situation with Suckup was weird. I don't know why you guys did that. Like he was scared. on he was on he was injured. He was injured first of all that year. Like he should just never should have played. At all in 2019, you guys just should have kept him on IR, waited till he's healthy, bring him back next year. That that would have been that would have made the most sense. But you guys brought him back early. You activated him. He began practicing. Everyone knew he was injured. Went one for six. Did, didn't miss extra points by the way. Like it was like like you could tell he was injured. You could clearly tell he wasn't right. But you guys just trotted him out there, and then Cairo Santos. And then next year he comes out there. He does fine. Like what was he? He was like he was 90 percent on field goals last year or something. He was he was fine wins the Super Bowl like also big shout out to Ryan Suckup by the way the mystery relevant from 2009 the only mystery relevant who is in any way relevant by the way he's a Super Bowl champion you know he's the last pick of the 2009 draft 
Fucking deserves it. Been in the league for a long time. Just just demolishing kicks. Big shout out to Ryan Suckup. Just want to get that out of the way. Dude, we got it got to a point in the playoffs where unless we were within like 20 yards, we we would we would we would actually if we were like fourth and nine or something like that, depending on where we were, we unless we were within like 10 yards, dude, we we wouldn't kick field goals. Like we we would take penalties to get moved back to give Brett Kern more room to punt it. We, we well, yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we, you guys, you well, you, I mean, like you guys are also a team that were like yeah. in 2017. You were so bad that like he had to trot out there and like kick 45 field goals. Did suck was, up. It was, it, was it was bad. bad. It was a bad day. This is this, this when he was your leading scorer on your team. People got to understand when I tell people that I'm like I gotta I gotta watch these games with a Xanax next to me at all times. Like I people don't understand when I say this this team gives me anxiety. Like anybody who watched the Titans Ravens game, like from this past playoffs, like oh either people, of them, dude, either of them, either I of had, them. Yeah, anybody who watched either game, dude, I literally had people that were telling me during the game, like midway through the second quarter, they were like, I, I see it now, dude. They were like, this is giving me anxiety, and I'm not rooting for either team. I'm like, thank you. Hey, man, those, those are those like defensive uh, game, those defensive battles. I love those types of games. I love those types of games. My anyway, defense. yeah, oh, unfortunately for you. Anyway, let's keep it going, Andrew. Let's talk about the graphic that I have right here. The Miami Heat are one of the teams in the Eastern Conference that we talked about. Got a whole hell of a lot better in this free agency. They added a few very key pieces that makes them a contender in the East. Let's take a look. Arriving, they have Kyle Lowry, P.J. Tucker, and Markeith Morris. They also were able to re-sign Duncan Robinson, Victor Oladipo, and of course, Jimmy Butler as well. He signed up for the Max. So that brings some interesting uh, mojo. That brings some interesting additions for this Miami Heat roster that two years ago, remember, were in the NBA Finals, lost to the, the Lakers in the in the bubble, but they're looking to come back. They're looking to be better. This was a little bit of a down year for them. They also have Tyler Hero, of course, who was a little bit of an up and down. Bam Adebayo also uh, is coming back. So they've got some they've got some pieces here, but what? But the biggest one, obviously, is Kyle Lowry. So, what do you think about this? Kyle Lowry was he the missing piece that this team really needed? And and what is the Miami Heat ceiling? So, I don't necessarily think he was the missing piece. I think that Kyle Lowry, given what they had in Goran Dragic, like Dragic, Dragic is a solid player. Don't get me wrong, but I just think that what Lowry brings to the table is Lowry was the heart and soul of Toronto. Like finding players like that, you know, hard-nosed dudes who are going to dive on the floor, who are going to give it their all and everything like that, defend as small as he is. He could still, you know, he does what he can on defense. That's a guy who's going to give it 20 points a game. But one thing that can't be stressed enough about Lowry is his leadership. So that's something – and that's going to mesh great because he's the kind of hard-nosed player that a guy like Jimmy Butler would love to play with, just dogs, guys that are, you know, going to get their hands dirty and they're going to play, you know – they're going to give it their all from the jump until the final buzzer. So the Lowry thing was definitely big, even though Kyle Lowry is getting up there in age though. I just think that um, his, he's going to be able to mentor some of the young guys too. Cause that's one of the biggest things that Miami has been able to do is Miami is able to find guys that are like diamonds in the rough. And you get a guy like Kyle Lowry who now, you know, he's been to the playoffs how many years with Toronto, 
uh, won a championship with Toronto and everything like that. And you put him alongside Jimmy Butler and another guy who was like a, a dog, like Oladipo. They're guys who are, their work ethic is going to rub off on some of the younger guys. And this team, this is going to be a pretty gritty team. It's going to be a pretty tough out in the playoffs. Unless, of course, they have to play Giannis. And I also like, uh, before, before I turn it over to you, the biggest thing was they had to retain Duncan Robinson because Duncan Robinson is one of the best shooters, one of the best catch-and-shoot guys. Honestly, when I look at Duncan Robinson, dude, he's the next Kyle Korver. He's honestly, but I think he's a little bit better of a defender. So that was the biggest thing for me. Like, that was one of the biggest things they had to do was re-sign him. And they also bought in, like you said, they bought in Keith. They bought in guys that are dogs. They got rid of some guys like Kendrick Nunn who were inconsistent guys who were just purely offensive players. And they bought in guys that, if you've been paying attention to the Miami Heat and their culture and everything, they fit like dogs, that guys that you can put alongside Bam Adebayo. They're guys that are going to, you know, they're they're not fir- they're not last in first out kind of guys in the gym. Those are, PJ Tucker's another one. They're going to be, first in last out kind of guys and it's going to rub off and it's going to help them you know develop their younger guys and mentor some of the younger guys while at the same time being able to compete and be a contender in the east absolutely absolutely i, I think that they, they, these were some key acquisitions they needed to make the, the kyle lowry acquisition to me is is you know you know as far as like actual acquisition it's the biggest move they made but like re-signing jimmy butler and oladipo and and then or and, and you know getting oladipo and, and all these guys like this team is nothing if they don't re-sign these guys. If they don't sign re- Jimmy Butler, then they're in rebuild mode. Let's be honest. Jimmy Butler is the guy. Like This is the situation that Jimmy Butler, I think, has always waited to be in in his entire career. You know, have the pieces around him with him as the guy and see if he can go win the chip. See if he can go win the big one. And I think this is a team that... I think is ready to t- to take on the Nets. They they match up I think now against the Nets much better than they did last year, much better than they would have last year, much better than a lot of teams honestly outside the, maybe the Bucks would because they they bring this explosiveness on offense and 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 this this determination, this grit that Jimmy Butler and players like that and and Oladipo is like the one of the, honestly one of the most underrated I think all around players in there is in the NBA like like like. As far as what he does, like he's kind of that guy who's going to go out there. He can score if you need him to. He can even lock people down sometimes. Oladipo is a damn good defender. Like he can be. So th- there's aspects to that that I think are going to benefit. This team's going to benefit from Ky- the Kyle Lowry acquisition. Brings leadership. Brings the experience. Brings a title. Like like the the guy who's been there, won a title, been one of the main guys on a title winning team. Which even Jimmy Butler, as great as he is. Hasn't done that. This is a young team. We mentioned Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, uh, Bam Adebayo. Like these are young guys who need who need that experience as well to kind of enlighten them a little bit on what's how to win because it, it is a challenge to learning how to win. There is a process to like learning what to do in these situations, what not to do. And Kyle Lowry can offer that that uh, on on the court and off the court, which is going to be important in the development of these young players as well. So if you ask me, like. This team is is the team that's going to, I think, immediately they're gonna these moves are gonna show. They're, like they're gonna they're gonna be like this is these are these moves are gonna actually appear the most as far as the difference from last year and this year or this coming year. Like you're gonna see the most difference in this move. I think the the Nets have their word cut or sorry the Nets have their word cut out for them. They're gonna have to see can they match up well against this team? Is it like? I don't know if they can out like here's the thing can they outscore this team maybe but 
can they outgrip this team in a seven game series? It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because this is a team that's had some ballers on it. Like that's we we we. We like to focus on talent a lot. We like to focus on the, you know, the defensive abilities and the offensive abilities of different teams. But, but, but sometimes we don't look uh, as hard. Uh, um, we don't look or we don't take into account, you know, the determination and grit that some players have. Like, if I had to pick one adjective to describe this Heat team, it's gritty. This is a team that's not afraid of anyone. And sometimes, Andrew, sometimes even in a seven-game series, given how talented this team is, they could take down anyone. This team reminds me a lot. It's a it's it, it epitomizes the Miami Heat culture that Pat Riley has instilled, dude. It reminds me a lot of like a '90s New York Knicks team. Like you know, they don't they don't have a superstar, so to say. They have very good players, but they also have the good gritty dudes. They have the guys that are not going to be afraid to get their hands dirty. And this is going to be a team. They're dude. They're going to be a tough out in the playoffs, dude. I this is a team that you do not want to see in the first or second round of the playoffs. Like, this is a team, I'm telling you, dude, ta- I know a lot of people say, you know, talent often wins out, but sometimes, you know, sometimes you just need that grit, dude. Sometimes you just need that grit. I mean, dude, look at, um, who was it? Who was it? Um, Milwaukee. Look at Milwaukee when it came to going up against Brooklyn, dude. Milwaukee was dead in the water. Milwaukee, they just guys like Giannis, dude, where, you know, Giannis is a hustle player. He's going to go all out, dude. Milwaukee won that series with grit. That's literally what it was. Like, Milwaukee's a talented team, dude. They won that series just because what they wanted it for. They wanted it more than Brooklyn, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And and look, the the young factor as well, like, the Oh, here we go. This happened again. But this team is young. This is a, like that's the other thing that we need to account for. This is a young team that it has the ability, like, like to groom these kids into becoming better all-around players at, at for a very cheap price and very and like like so like there's a window here for them too to be a lot more successful than people think. So we'll see what happens with them. This is going to be one of the most, I think, uh, at least one of the teams that I'm going to have my eye on the most. Uh, but Andrew, a team that I know you're gonna have your eye on the most, like that I know you care about the most, that I know you rant about and rave about the most, are the New York Knicks. New York, New York, are the New York Knicks back after signing Kemba Walker after Kemba got his buyout from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Kemba Walker previously spent time with the Hornets, then he was signed over with the, um, with he signed over with the Boston Celtics, and he was traded to OKC this offseason, got his buyout. Now he's a member of the Knicks. The Knicks are coming off of a season where nobody thought they were going to make the playoffs. They did. They got the most improved player on their roster. They have R.J. Barrett, who's coming on as a budding superstar. There's a lot to be happy about in New York. But what should Knicks fans think about Kemba Walker's addition to this team, and what can he provide for them? So what Kemba provides, dude, is... Anyone who watched the Knicks play last year, dude, they had guards that were offensively challenged. Like, the playoffs even showed it. Derrick Rose was the best player, best guard, but best player on the court. And a lot of that just had to do with the fact that, you know, he turned back the clock a little bit when he had to. And he, you know, that's the kind of, like, leader that he is. When Julius Randle, it was his first go-around in the playoffs. Same with R.J. Barrett. You know, they're still young. You're going to have your playoff struggles, especially when you're young guys. So guys like Derrick Rose, Taj Gibson, guys that have been there before who have the pedigree, which is part of the reason why we bought them back. Um, 
that was um, it was evident. So what Kemba Walker brings is he once again he brings he brings scoring, which is something that we needed because Alfred Payton was offensively challenged. Uh, Frank, we didn't necessarily use Frank as a um, as a point guard. We used him more as like as a two guard, but he was more of a spot up shooter. So what he brings to the table is instant offense. He's not the best defender. He is undersized, and the injury is a concern. But he's going to help them mentor. Like he's going to be a big mentor for a guy who they want to groom into potentially being the point guard of the future in Emmanuel quickly. If you're watching NBA Summer League, quickly did not have the best. He didn't have the best performance yesterday, dude. He came on today, though, 32-8, was the best player on the floor against the Indiana Pacers in the Summer League. So Obi Toppin was another one. He had 22 today. He had 24 yesterday. So what what Kemba's going to allow them to do is Kemba is going to allow him – he's going to serve as a mentor. Him and Derrick Rose are going to serve as a mentor for a guy like Emmanuel quickly. And he's going to help them bridge. He's going to make the bridge – easier while still once again allowing the Knicks to be able to compete because now this is something that Knicks fans have harped on for a while we don't have we have for the longest time dude we haven't had a legitimate point guard we did have Derrick Rose in his first stint in New York but you're putting a slashing guard in the triangle which is more you need a spot-up shooter you know point guard is a spot-up shooter so it didn't work now you're in a free-flowing offense with Tibbs who's going to demand these guys play defense and one thing that Tibbs is very good at which is what I'm really hoping it's going to work in Kemba Walker's favor is Tibbs is very good at maximizing players. And we know Kemba Walker has the talent. If Tibbs is able to tap into that talent that we know Kemba Walker has, the Knicks are going to be a lot better than people think. Like, I think they're going to be a playoff team this year. Um, do I think a top four seed? I mean, that's going to depend on how they play on the court, dude. But I think we'll definitely be a playoff team. Like, if not a top four seed, we'll definitely vie for that five or six. I don't see us in the playing tournament, dude. I don't. We got to, we we got a lot better this season than we were last season. We replaced Forney. We replaced Reggie Bullock with Fournier, who's a bona fide scorer, and we replaced offensively challenged Alfred Payton with Kemba Walker to go along with a deep bench, guys we bought in the draft, and some guys we brought back. So I'm excited for New York, dude. I'm expecting RJ to make a big jump in year three, and Julius Randle. Uh, I'm expecting Julius Randle to keep getting better. You know, he's still young. He's 25. Uh, I'm expecting Julius Randle to build on the success he had this season and everybody make the jump. The young guys make the jump. And, you know, this New York team could be – we could be a pretty good team. I'm not going to say we're championship ready yet, but the foundation is definitely there for years to come, for us to be a perennial playoff team and down the road maybe a champion. Yeah, the other weird thing was like in the draft, the Knicks didn't really get anyone. Like they, they even the kids they drafted, they ended up we trading. We got solid their pieces. We got so, trust me, dude. You gotta you watch Jericho Sims. Watch Jericho Sims has been turning up in the summer league. He's not lighting up the box score, dude. But the things that he does, rebound, block shots, dude. He's probably the most athletic player coming out of this draft, which is saying something because that dude that we originally drafted and traded to LA for Quentin Grimes had the highest vertical ever registered at the combine. And this kid might be more athletic than that kid, Jericho Sims. Yeah, I mean, look, well, I mean, we'll see about that. But it was th- that was one thing that stood out to me. Like, but but uh, going back to Kemba Walker real quick because you know Kemba, like, like we've expected him to be the Kemba Walker of old for a little bit now. Like like the the Kemba Walker that we saw the first few years in um in, in Charlotte. But it really didn't manifest itself too much with the Boston Celtics. You know, he was supposed to come in and take over Kyrie Irving's spot. That didn't happen. But can he come to New York and provide, like, is he going to be the same guy? Is he going to be the same Kemba Walker of old? 
And if he is, if he is going to be that same guy, does that like increase their chances of making it past the first round? Absolutely, dude. Because the biggest, the biggest problem that we saw when we ran into the playoffs was as good as the defense was, <coughs> we ran out of scoring. Like we, we were able to defend to an extent, but once playoff basketball starts, you got explosive offenses, dude. Like, Atlanta is an explosive offensive team with Trey Young and those shooters they got around them. And we just ran out of offense. You know, Randall, it was his first play. It was, I think, his first or second go around, but it was his first go around as the guy. He stalled because they were game planning for him. RJ, it was his first go around in the playoffs. He was only 20. He did have, you know, he did have one big dunk that kind of lit, lit the garden up, but he's still young. And the young guys like that, they got to learn how to win. That's why, like, you know, when you saw the Knicks in the playoffs, you saw guys like the guys who had the biggest impact were the guys who had been in that situation before. Taj Gibson, guys like Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose is our best player in that series. So what Kemba Walker brings is he brings a veteran guy who has playoff experience he has the experience of being the guy he's a bucket getter too down the stretch you know you need a guy to take the last shot now they can't just key in on a guy like Julius Randle and double him and say let somebody else beat us because now we have a guy like Kemba Walker they call him cardiac Kemba for a reason dude he's broken a lot of hearts with game-winning shots college and in the NBA so a lot of it's going to depend on his knees though if his knees hold up and I'm really hoping they do because he has had the injury concerns. But if his knees hold up, he is going to be a big piece for New York. And I think, yes, if his knees hold up and his health, like if his health uh, isn't an issue, we are good enough. We are good enough with Tibbs' defensive scheme and with now the scoring that we have around guys like Randall and Barrett. We're good enough to get out of the first round. Yeah. Okay. So, so, you, uh, so I got a question. I, going off of that, I have a question. Does this addition make them contenders in the Eastern Conference? I think we could we could be an upstart. You could see us potentially become an upstart team like Atlanta because w- when you look at us on paper, Atlanta has a lot of talent, a lot of young talent. We, on paper, as of right now, I mean, Trey Young is – Trey Young's a baller. You know what you're getting out of Trey Young. You know you're going to get 30, probably 27 to 30, 12 assists, you know, three, four rebounds. You know what you're going to get out of Trey Young offensively. Bogdanovich is a guy who can give you 20. Uh, Herder, white boy, he's a guy that can, you know, go off and have a big game. But he's going to let he's going to lay around like the 15, 12 to 15 point range. We have more talent than they do. Um, the question is just going to be, you know, health. That's the biggest thing because now we have more talent. Like we we can match a team like Atlanta who's going to have one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL, in the uh, NBA next season. We can match them now scoring because we brought in guys like Fournier, our second unit. Our second unit has guys like Derrick Rose, like Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin. If you're watching Summer League, he's taking that next step. He's he's more consistent of a shooter. He's able to get to his spots now. He's bullying some of these guys. Like he's turning into the player that we wanted him to be when we drafted him. And we bought in a lot of like we bought back some veteran guys too, like Alec Burks, who's just a bona fide scorer. So we can match the scoring of a lot of these teams now with with Tibbs's defensive scheme. You know. Obviously, good offense beats good defense, and with a lot of how with how explosive a lot of these teams are, we're gonna have to see. But yeah, I think we're good enough to we are good enough to do what Atlanta did this past season and get to an Eastern Conference Finals. You know, maybe pull an upset in the second round and get to the Eastern Conference Finals. We we are good enough on paper. Yes, we are. Okay, okay. I mean, I 
again, the East is wide. Uh, East is more wide open than it's been over the past few years. So who am I to judge? It's wild because it did get a lot better, but there's more parity. Like it got a lot better between the trade, like between the trades, even that the were draft, made, the even the draft, dude. guys that were drafted. Right, it got a lot better, but. There's more parity, dude. Like, that's the biggest thing is there's more parity. Now, obviously, Brooklyn's going to be the favorite to come out, but that's, once again, barring health because we saw Brooklyn, their biggest Achilles heel was those three guys could not stay on the court and play, you know, at the same time, and that's what ended up doing them in. And we're going to have – we're going to see, dude, because – Giannis now has that ring like he's got that championship ring under his belt and everything like that and Giannis is not known to be a guy who's just gonna like you know waver he's just gonna be like I got the ring that's it you know now I can you know play out the rest of my career he's hungry like he's gonna be hungry to get another one he's gonna be hungry to you know become a multiple time champion He's already been an MVP. Dude, the dude has pretty much every damn piece of hardwood you could get from most improved MVP defensive player of the year. At this point, he's just going to see, you know, he's he's going to be hungry for more, dude. He's not going to be hungry for just one. Well, well, that's that's the one he gets because let's be honest, Evan Mobley, Colin Sexton, Darius Carlin are the future of the NBA. That's all I will say about that. I I. I couldn't even I couldn't even say it with a straight face. It's not true. We're we're gonna suck. Um, it, it's like that. Uh, no matter what the Cavs do, I'm gonna be like uh, but what's that guy's name? Uh, Rab Schneider. I'm gonna be like Rob Schneider in uh the Longest Yard. It's like we suck again. That that's gonna or or, or is that the Water Boy? It's one of those two. He's not like we suck again. That's gonna be me every year. No matter what the Cavs do, every year. Evan Mobley though is a beast. It's gonna be it's gonna be really sad when, when when he decides to leave in free agency next year or or not next year like in five years or whatever. It's gonna be really sad when he asks for a trade. Nah, you're gonna lock him down for a few, you're gonna lock him down for a few years. You just gotta get the next two drafts right, dude. That's it. You gotta get your next two drafts right and you'll be straight. You have your big man, Sexton. I don't know what they're gonna do with Sexton. He but... can score. The kid can score. Colin Sexton can like he can score the fuck out of the way. He can't do anything else, but he can score. So like there's he offers something. I just wish we had we had. I mean, we wouldn't have because he went fifth or sixth overall. I, I wish – I, I was going to say Josh Giddy, but he went sixth overall. That surprised the fuck out of me. I did not think anyone would see the talent in that kid that I saw. But we'll see. This is, again I, – I didn't get a chance to talk to you about this. This might have been one of the deepest drafts we've ever seen, dude. Because there was, like, not a guy who was at least rated on my board, like, top 15, that I didn't think could come – like, there's no one – like, there weren't really that many – busts like like that, that i can say like are gonna be like not like that aren't gonna translate there are a lot of guys who are gonna come into the nba i think and contribute and have long careers like there were guys that were taken in the second round like there were second rounders that people like are watching them in the summer league and sitting up there like how did this guy fall out of the first round it's crazy yeah. like there's the the point guard jared butler you know how did he fall out of the first round like i'm telling you you got to see this kid jericho sims i'm telling you dude we got him at 58. How the hell did this kid with that kind of athleticism, with that kind of instincts and his ability to score down low, how did that kid fall to 58? I mean, he did four years of college, but still. Like, you he, you got that kind of athleticism with that kind of IQ and the ability to score around the basket the way he can. He's obviously not a finished product, but he fell to 58, dude. That's crazy. We got this other kid, Deuce McBride, Miles McBride out of West Virginia, dude. There were people that had him slated as a first-round pick. Sharif Cooper, there were people who had Sharif Cooper in the lottery, and he felt like in the 40s. Yeah. 
It's crazy what's going on over there. I bet I think this draft is going to be remembered as one of the best drafts you've ever had. There, there were just so many, so many guys in this draft um, that I think are going to be great. Also, big shout out to the, both the men's and the women's basketball teams in the Olympics. USA got two dubs, all the gold medals. The gold is coming home where it belongs. Love to see that. Unfortunately, it took the entire talent of France to beat one guy. We didn't get to see the matchup we all wanted in Luka Doncic versus the United States, which would have been, honestly, the, honestly, Luka Doncic versus the United States, it would have been the, 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 the biggest battle, the biggest battle the U.S. has faced since World War II. Like the, that, 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 that head-to-head matchup would have been, would have been insane. Hey, man, and then Luka, even though he lost, he lost the game on the court, dude. The money that Mark Cuban just just gave that man today, dude, two hundred and seven oh, yeah. million dollar extension, dude. They flew out. They flew out to Europe to give him the money. They didn't even make him come back here. They went to him. He if deserves- I'm Luca, though, dude. If I'm Luca, though, dude. I mean, how many more times do we got to watch that man lose to Nick Batum? H- how many more times, dude? If I'm hi- if I'm him, I'd be getting I'd be getting sick of it. They got it. Well, they got to get him another superstar because, like, no, no disrespect. Breed one. No, no, no disrespect to Christos Porzingis. He's just not the guy in the playoffs. Again, it was partially scheming, but he just didn't show up when he needed to. So they got to get him some. They got to get him something, something. They got to get him something because Luca's too good. Luca's too good. He's worth every bit of that two hundred million he got. He's worth more, but they got to get him some some help in order to 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 really make a splash there. But anyway, a team that did make a splash, Andrew. I think you and I both agree are the Chicago Bulls. Like. This might be the most interesting team in the NBA next year. The biggest team to keep your eye on, the Chicago Bulls. Because some of the moves that they've made over the past few years and leading up to this and in and in this offseason, I think we could see a new era in Bulls basketball. If we look here at the projected lineup for the Chicago Bulls after free agency, you have Lonzo Ball at the point guard, Zach Levine, who averaged damn near... 27 points a game last year. DeMar DeRozan coming over. Uh, you have Patrick Williams and, Nic- uh, and Nikola Vucevic um, uh, rounding out the front court. So, they, so you got some ballers here. You got some ballers. Vucevic, obviously, he averages 20 and 10 at least a year. Lonzo Ball, great facilitator of the ball. There's going to be less of an emphasis for Zach Levine to do that. Zach Levine's a scoring machine. He can do a little bit of everything. Patrick Williams... Eh. Um, but but you know, Demar Derozan also he you know I think he this puts him in a little bit of a of a better situation too, where he's not the guy, but he can come in and contribute as well. So I like the way this team is structured. I think Vucevic is probably going to be a little un, underrated as far as because he's they, there is Demar Derozan, there's Lonzo Ball, there's Zach Levine, there's bigger names, but I think Vucevic or uh, uh, Vucevic might be the second best guy on this team regardless, but. What do you think about about the, the 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 moves that they've made? Is this the help that Zach Levine has been praying for? I would say so, yeah, dude. I mean, Vucevic, this team, I'm not going to say it reminds me. It's a better version of what Chicago tried to do a few years ago when they bought in Rondo, they made they bought in D-Wade to go along with Jimmy Butler. 
uh, and that team was a playoff team. They won like I think they didn't win the playoff series. I think they might have won a game or two in the playoffs. This is a better version of that. It's a younger, better version, obviously built around Zach Levine, who's the future there in Chicago. You got a guy like DeMar DeRozan who he doesn't have to be the guy, but he's also a guy who you can give him the ball under two minutes and he can make a play. Vucevic has been a walking 20 and 10, quiet as walking 20 and 10 since he got into the league. And Lonzo, Lonzo keeps getting better. Lonzo is, you know, the great facilitator, great playmaker. The jump shot keeps coming along more and more. And I, this is going to be an exciting team to watch for. This is going to be the team that could shock some people. That's a team where you get them in a playoff series and, you know, it might go seven games, but that's a team just based off of the talent they have. I could see them taking, like, if they're like a seven or a six seed or even the eight seed, that's a team that I could see taking, like, a Philly or a Brooklyn or even Milwaukee. They that's a team that I could see taking that those teams like six or seven games in a first round playoff matchup. Absolutely. You're muted. Good looks. This team is has made the biggest improvement from year to year, I think, as far as just talent. Like it, it is this team went from a middling mediocre team to almost overnight a contender in the East. Like, I want to be honest about it. And that speaks to how highly I think of Zach Levine. That speaks to how highly I think of Nikola Vucevic, who for a long time has been an underrated player in this league. And you pair him with Zach Levine. You pair him with a facilitator to the level of Lonzo Ball. Because for all the, the flack that Lonzo gets, right? He can't score. He shoots up bricks from the three-point line. He's gotten slightly better, but... He's a great facilitator, and I think that's all he really needs to be on this team. Just be the guy who dishes out assists. Be the guy who dishes out assists uh, to Zach Levine, who's a scoring machine, which, by the way, you should trademark that. Take it from me. I don't care. Zach, machine, Zach Levine, the scoring machine. DeMar DeRozan is going to be on this team. Nikola Vucevic. Like, this is a—outside of Patrick Williams, all of these guys, I believe— either have or, or one day will make an all-star game. I'm pretty sure all of these guys have made all-star games recently, like somewhat recently, like the, like the, the outside of maybe Lonzo Ball. But but there are – but the, you have the base here. You have the base. You have the foundation here of success for the next few years. And this is a team that I think matches up well against, like you said, the, the Bucks. Like I think Zach Levine – is not really gonna be like is it like is it gonna be enough that Giannis is like who you can only defend one person at one time right who's he's gonna have to choose you want you want to defend Zach Levine Vucevic is gonna destroy you with what he can do because he honestly is, is an unbelievably talented big man other than that if you go after Vucevic then Zach Levine is gonna get you and then you're gonna have DeMar DeRozan to worry about as well so it's not so it, like this is a team that you can get burned on so many different levels and you factor in the elite passing ability of Alonzo Ball, and this is just this is a recipe for success for the Chicago Bulls. I think Bulls fans should be excited. I think Chicago, I think uh, the NBA, the Eastern Conference, should be on the lookout for this team because this is a team that's going to make the playoffs, and I'm going to make the prediction now. They are a dark horse, dark horse contender to represent the Eastern Conference in the finals this year, and I think people are going to be underselling them all year if uh, if we're being honest. I mean, 
I guess I wouldn't go. I mean, yeah, they 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 could be a dark horse to get us to the playoffs. It's just you know, oh no, no, they're, they're making the playoffs. They're making. The well, playoffs. they're gonna make the playoffs, obviously. Yeah, dude. Like obviously, you know, if they're in that situation too, you obviously know they're probably gonna make some moves, bring in <laughs> bring in like you know another scorer, another shooter. You know, great on ball. Like they're gonna they're obviously gonna make moves as the season progresses, depending on what situation they're in. So you know, time will tell. But as it stands right now, I get to this team making the playoffs easily. Yeah, I get to this team making the playoffs. Yeah, they definitely make the playoffs. All ball. No bowl for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, anyway, uh, anything else on this team, Andrew? That's it. No, I'm excited to see what Chicago, I'm excited to see what the Bulls, you know, what they look like. Dope, dope, dope. Let's keep it going now. Actually, let's read out some some of these chats. We've been ignoring the chat here since he's been busy. Uh, he says the Bengals are going to be drafting a new quarterback next year. Hopefully not. Uh, I like Joe Burrow, but, yeah, that offensive line. They should have drafted Panay Sewell. They should have drafted Panay Sewell. It's all their fault. I'm telling you, dude, just throw those slant routes. Just throw those slant routes to uh, Jamar Chase. Chase. Yeah, this is what they're going to have to do. Um, He called me out for spelling something wrong on the bottom banner. Okay, cool. Whatever. I was going to call you out too, but. Yeah, look. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Back in my day, kids. Back in my day, Dwight Lowry was a player who played sometimes. Dwight Lowry was fine. He was... Like he's old, but he was fine. He, he, he was a great safety. All right, I, I want, I want no Dwight Lowry hate. All right, he, he, he burned the Ravens a few times uh, as part of the Jets. Anyway, let's keep it moving. Um, in the chat, how's it going, fellas? Says Doctor John Carter. Doctor John Carter, how are you doing, sir? Um, and then Tinsy, I think, called you and me out for use for when we were talking about the Heat. Uh, he called us out for the quote groom these kids because you're like they're gonna groom like you know okay get your get your mind out of the gutter kids get your mind out of the gutter all right get your mind yeah get your mind out of the gutter people like that's you everyone knows that's not what we meant like no no bad bad that's on you for thinking that um anyway let's move let's keep it moving andrew last official topic for today the NFL. All right. So the NFL is only the NFL is only a few weeks away from kicking off. We saw the Hall of Fame game kick off. Andrew, I'm just going to ask you out front. There's a lot of things that happened. We talked about the quarterback battles. There's Matthew Stafford going to a new team. Jared Goff going to a new team. Deshaun Watson, whatever's going to happen with him. So much going on in the NFL. The the Cowboys and which are always the biggest shit show. Uh but but what to you is the biggest storyline at least for your opinion? for this upcoming 2021 NFL season. Is this the last year for Tom Brady? Is this, oh, is, yeah. this it? is this it? Like is I know he's hinted at, you know, this might be it. Uh, a lot of people have said that this could be his last go around. So, it could this potentially be the last year and if it is, um should we watch him? Should we pay close? I mean, obviously we're going to pay attention to him, but should we pay closer attention to every game he plays? Because this could be this could be it. Man, we pay attention to Tom Brady almost every year. I feel like the same amount. Like Tom Brady, he's the greatest player in NFL history. He's the greatest player playing right now. He just he's coming off a Super Bowl. You can't not watch him. You can't like he's going to be the most, one of the biggest focal points of the season this year. That's like bar none. Um, as far as like, is this his last ride? We've been saying that for like 10 years. I've been saying this for like 10 years now. Like, 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 well, Cliff Kellerman's been saying it for 10 years, but he's been claiming that Tom Brady is apparently falling off a cliff, which again, ludicrous, ludicrous. I agree with Max Kellerman on a lot of things, but he was so off about that. And the fact that he doubled down 
Yeah, just shows you how big people's egos can be. But, um, yeah, I think Tom Brady's a big storyline that, that I think he actually might get underlooked. I think he might get underlooked this year because we, we've seen it. We've seen it before. Tom Brady comes off a Super Bowl win. Yeah, he's gonna be. They're gonna be clamoring about the Bucks, clamoring about how good they are. And then, oh look, this shiny new toy, Patrick Mahomes. He's no look passes and all that kind of stuff. They rebuilt the offensive line. Like it's gonna be focused on him, Lamar Jack. Like there's just so much talent out there now. Aaron Rodgers, the Aaron Rodgers. That, that's what I noticed. There's so yeah. much talent out there now. Like the NFL's talent is actually better. Like, like there's like more of it. That and that's a testament to the people who are developing these guys. But um. You know, the other story I'm going to watch is the the Matthew Stafford story. The Matthew Stafford move to L.A. is going to be big because they made a big move. This is a big move that the, the Rams made in trading away their number one pick, their franchise guy in Jared Goff, trading him away, trading away the first-round picks that they did to acquire Matthew Stafford. And the biggest question is, even though we know Stafford is still probably a better overall quarterback than, than Jared Goff, is it going to make the difference that they think? Is it actually? Is he actually going to come in and be the the guy that we? Is Matthew Stafford the guy who we thought he was? That's going to be the thing. Is he the guy who we thought he was, or is he going to be good, like really good, great probably? But is it going to make the difference? Are they going to get to a Super Bowl? Because you don't make this move unless you think Matthew Stafford is the difference between you and a Lombardi Trophy. If you're the Rams, that's it. Because Jared Goff. For as bad as we want to say he was, I think Jared Goff gets a lot of a flack, which he he deserves some of it, but a lot of it is just thrown upon him because of the situation he was in, being drafted number one overall, etc. But he gets a lot of flack, and one thing that I think, regardless of 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 how we put it, I think he deserves more credit from the Rams making the Super Bowl than Jimmy G does for the San Francisco 49ers making the Super Bowl, because. That doesn't work. That offense doesn't work if Jared Goff doesn't make some amazing plays. Like Jared Goff, his like the f- the first two years he had Sean McVay was amazing, literally amazing. He was a different player than we saw first year, few years in the league. So I think he gets a lot of flack. And the question is, is Matthew Stafford actually gonna make that much of a difference? Because let's be honest, Matthew Stafford doesn't make a Super Bowl with the the the, the Rams over the next two three years, whatever. They traded away a bunch of first-round picks and the guy who actually got into the Super Bowl. So what's how is history going to remember that? That's the biggest question for me. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. Anything else on your mind, Andrew? Any any questions? Any 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 final any final thoughts? How are the Mets doing? How are your New York baseball I'm not, I'm not, Mets doing? No, no. Why not? I'm why not? I, I'm why not talking about that. Why? Because I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to not I'm be stressed to, out. I'm trying to get more than eight hours, of, or I'm trying to get more than two hours of sleep tonight. So I don't want to yeah. give myself anxiety just thinking. Well, uh, well, that's adulting, my guy. No one ever gets two hours of sleep. Uh, any final thoughts, though? I don't. I, I'm, I'm quite all right. Okay. All right. Well, fifty episodes of Real Take Sports Talk. You were there for the first one. You're here for the the not the last one. This is not the last one. This is this is only the beginning, hopefully. Only the beginning. Guys, 
Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. And if you want to stay on this boat, you want to stay on the bus, enjoy the journey with us. Be sure you subscribe to the channel, youtube.com forward slash Real Take Sports. Hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. If you're listening to this on Spotify, follow us, follow this page also. Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, help out the channel, patreon.com forward slash Real Take Sports for some exclusive content. Um, and fo- be sure to follow us on Twitter at Real Take Sports. Use the hashtag Real Take uh, as well. Uh, so check us out. You got Real Take Sports Talk. Hopefully on Thursdays, we try to do that. Hopefully on Thursdays, that's going to change uh, when the NFL season comes up. But new show, Real Take Football Talk, going to be uh, on su- Sunday mornings moving forward uh, as soon as the NFL kicks off. that We're very excited about that. Real Take Russell Talk will always, always be on Tuesday nights, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on YouTube.com forward slash Real Take Sports. So check us out. Andrew, any parting thoughts? No, I'm good. All right, I'm good too. Uh, my last parting thought, the th- thought though, is thank you again to you, to Johnny, everyone. Thank you to the over 600 people who have subscribed to the channel already. And thank you to the people who I know will eventually and anyone watching this who is going to be gracious enough to do that as well. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. I love bringing this to you guys every week. And I can't do it for hopefully some time to come. So, again, 50 episodes down the pipe. And we are moving on to episode 51. So, Again, hit all those links in the description, guys, and we will see you next time right here, Real Take Sports Talk.